Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Appreciate it from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos will recover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcast. Plus also as well, inside sports, fantasy football. The NFL playoffs are here. Are you watching them? We give you the insight on all the NFL playoff action starting with later this week with more coverage of the NFL players playoffs right there for you at Inside Sports fantasy football plus also as well of course game source of course joe takes care of you on his new show please catch it today it's called of course the lakers nightcap with joe sorrow hopefully you got a chance to check it out i even threw an audio version for you audio listeners out there so go ahead and check it out today wherever you get your podcast he is also oxide 247 at lakersball.com and of course his company simblades simblades with a y.com as well of course, our good friends, Lakerholics, Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. Go ahead and catch them today at Lakerholics.com. Plus, our good friends, Daniel Berry, Sports Highlights, who you saw popping in just now. Also, as well, of course, support great channels like his and Lakers and Five, Empire Jeff TV, Larry Lakers Dribbling Chit Chat, Lakers Corner, the John McCainlian channel. And speaking of great channels you need to support, support this one right here. Please go ahead and do so by liking, subscribing, and following today. And if you can, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, it is that time of the year. The 15th has now come and gone of January. And that means so many more players are now eligible to be traded. And with all that said and done, the news is hot and heavy. The rumors are out there. The trade machines are a-going. So who are? The individuals out there that are looking like they might be traded and who are really the buyers and sellers, we'll let you know our thoughts on that on today's show. Goodman is here. The guy has been writing for Fansided and also as well hopping on our show and in our chat, the best Lakers chat room that's out there. It is Alfred Esmond. And Alfred, great to have you here, my friend. Great to have you back on the show with the Lakers Fast Break Podcast once again. Yeah, Gerald, it's been a hot second. 
Uh, you know, it was the first week of the NBA season when the Magic and Lakers played their two games against one another this year. So that was the last time I, I was on, and that was back way before Thanksgiving. It feels like ages ago. And I mean, we're in we're in the thick of the NBA season. So I w- trades are happening. Te- everyone's starting to figure out what teams are good, what teams aren't. It's getting really interesting. And as we are midway through January, we know who's for real and who's not. And I don't know. It's very, it's been very interesting so far, to say the least, how this NBA year has gone. It has been, but your Orlando Magic have been a surprise. They got off to a really good start and have cooled off as of late, losing four of their last 10. They are now 22 and 18, still in eighth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, before we get into the trade talk and whether or not they and others are buyers or sellers, How are your impressions of the Orlando Magic so far? We know our story with the Lakers, and I know Jamie and hopefully Sean and hopefully Joe later on tonight on on their shows will be able to go ahead and express more about it. But you know the stories going on with the Lakers. They did come off of a great victory, but still a long way to go looking up at everybody else's 10th place in the Western Conference with with Orlando really ahead of the curve for a while. Now they're coming back to the mean, but they are still a team that is above the right side of 500 at this time as we go into the halfway point of the NBA season. Yeah, uh, Orlando, they've kind of, I'm sure everyone remembers back around Thanksgiving and whatnot, how good they were and how hot they were. And they were taking the league by storm at this point now, as we're in January. Uh, they've kind of leveled out a bit, like you said. They're almost, because of the injuries they have to their team right now, fighting to stay above 500, which is not necessarily a bad thing at this point in time with who's hurt. Franz Wagner being out is tough for them. That's their secondary score behind Paolo. Uh, miss, missing him's been tough. They also had, back at the beginning of the month, a West Coast road trip, a four-gamer. And... They had an illness, I believe, go around the team while they were on that road trip. So every night it seemed like a new role player or starter of some kind was out. And it was just a mishmash. The gift of, that keeps on giving, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was not that fun. And they were able to grind out the last game of that road trip. Paulo had his first career triple-double against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he had two free throws that ended up winning the game for them. So at 22 and 18 and eight, 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 oh, excuse me, at 22 and 18 and eighth in the East, they're, you know, they're sitting pretty, pretty good considering where they were a year ago. But again, I think the team knows and the fans of the Magic know since this team was cracking the top six seeds in the East early on in the season, they know they can get there. And hopefully with health coming back uh, slowly but surely and a good move at the deadline, they'll be able to do that. Once again, it is Alfred Esmond of Fansided. Please go ahead and check out his work today at Fansided.com with all the great stuff that he's done for the buffalo bills and the orlando magic among others but he's got some great work out there please check it out and please support him today with you go ahead and check out his articles at fansided he's been a great supporter of ours and i truly appreciate it anytime you're jumping on the chat because i see you late at night sometimes i know you're on the east coast and all that so it's greatly appreciated as a admirer of the nba what we talk about here at the lakers fast break but when it comes right down to it there is an NBA trade season now upon us. And just before we went on the air, Sham Sharania, a guy who actually bumped into me, as I always tell the story, at the Dollar Loan Center Arena last year in Henderson, 
uh, as he was busy glad handing around, he just reported that the Pacers and the Toronto Raptors are heavily into talks and discussion about Pascal Siakam. Uh, Pascal Siakam's game is somewhere, I mean, we talked about it before on the show, a score mentality uh, can get you some rebounding, but mainly he is there to give you that scoring punch. And for a team like Indiana that doesn't need, well, everybody can use shooting, but doesn't need shooting as much as other teams, (laughs) Lakers, (laughs) um, excuse me, sorry, something caught my throat there. But uh, when it comes down to, that comes down to it, he would probably fit better there than almost anywhere. But your thoughts, the, the projected, you know, things that they're talking about right now are possibly sitting around trade before even assets are being turned around as far as a possible three first round draft picks involved in this. That's what's been rumored so far. So let's start with Pascal Siakam. Is he a good fit on Indiana? Is this a possibility of if the trade goes through with certain assets and three first round picks, is that a good number to lie on? And if you don't like it for Indiana, where else do you think he might go? I think it is the best possible move Indiana can make at this point in time. The reason for that is, I just uh, think he it, fits. He yes. fits them. Yes, they need Tyrese Halliburton has had his breakout year this year, and they need another star next to him. And all of a sudden, they become a contender for a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. I think Pascal. I did some. Actually, I was doing notes on this before, and that was one of the moves I had been hearing about. And now that it's kind of coming into uh, fruition, it's kind of funny that I had this down here. But Pascal is averaging, I believe, it's around 22 points a game on over 50 percent from field goal range. So I like, I think his shooting and scoring efficiency is huge with Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who is the NBA leader in assists and who gets the ball to everyone around him. Uh, Pascal can cut to the rim. He's doesn't have the best three point shooting percentage, but he can make the three at times. So it just depends on what night you get. But again, having Tyrese Halliburton, I think can be also really reliable three point shooter. I don't necessarily think that's Indiana's problem. I think Indiana's problem is just having another guy with Halliburton to make them take that extra step. Well, uh, if they're and- going all in on the offense. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam is a great place to start. Yes, it is. And I think, and they are getting away with it thus far. I mean, they're sixth in the East. That's nothing to fret at whatsoever. And uh, they, they, they've really kind of found their formula and their, player of the future in Tyrese Halliburton. Again, uh, I think it's worth every price that Indiana can give Toronto for him. Uh, I, I think you said it was first three first rounders, correct? Three first rounders are being discussed. Obviously, they haven't gotten into player specific, or at least if they have, I'm sure they have, but mm-hmm. uh, Shams did not go into any other player discussions in regards to that as far as what individual salaries would be transferred or if there's any additional side, uh, you know, as far as players on the Toronto side, et cetera, et cetera. But the three first rounders were the something that stuck out to me because after the DeJounte Murray trade previously, and then of course, Rudy Gobert trade other, these teams have been hesitant to go ahead and throw these first rounders like candy, like they once did. So seeing Pascal Siakam, who was still, I don't want to put him at an at a all-star level anymore. I would probably say he's a very good player and a on a championship team, he would be a 
really good number three. Maybe you could say a two. Maybe. Uh, you know, it depends if he could, you know, just get you some consistent outside shooting. That's the key for him. You're right. He's a 50% going to the basket. He's a beast. His mid range game is, is underrated. Obviously you see it and reflects it on his uh, field goal percentage. If he can get his three point shooting anywhere near a consistent value at 37 to 40%, watch out, man. You've got yourself a player right there. Yeah, and it makes I, I think it makes playing Indiana a headache because no matter how good defense you play, I, I think they're they're gonna score a lot of points. They'll get at least 120 very, very often on a nightly basis. And you know, you can play and again, like I said, you can play good defense all you want, but if you're gonna have to score one twenty to beat this team and I don't know, again, I think you kinda hinted into it, but he he, that that one move right there doesn't necessarily make Indiana this big time title contender, but what I do think it does is that it puts them on a path toward doing so a lot more than they are right now. Uh, you know, and if we look at Indiana in the past few years, they really have not had anything to be happy about as of recent, as far as uh, playoff success and you know postseason and really anything. So I think for it'll create some excitement again in Indiana for you know a fan base that's pretty hungry. They they love basketball in Indiana, and I think that move puts them again. I don't think they're going to win a title now with just Pascal and Tyrese Halliburton by no means, but I think this puts them on a good trajectory towards getting there by developing the other role players they have around those two. If this move were to happen, once again. It is Alfred Esman. Please check out his work today at fansided.com. So that being said, my friend, when it comes right down to it, there are a lot of things that still are out there in play in regards to discussions, talks. But obviously, when that 15th came by, that opened up a lot of things as far as the rest of the player, not the rest of the players, but a, another chunk of players that are now uh, trade eligible. There are still players out there that are not trade eligible. In fact, a Anthony Davis, the Lakers, is not trade eligible until February the 8th, trade deadline day. And then Jared Vanderbilt, for us, is not trade eligible thanks to that wonderful extension. I'm just so happy and thrilled that Rob Palenka signed him to. And I'm totally being facetious when I say that. Uh, you know, you know, he gives us that whopping four points a game. Actually, no, three points. He's averaging three points a game right now. My apologies, I think. But anyways, need I digress on that? When it comes right down to it, trade talks are heating up. And while I'm not sure if anything's going to be pulled off right away, I do know that these teams are on the phone talking to each other as we speak. So let me ask you this. First off, when it comes right down to it, who are some of the trade targets? Before we get into buyers and sellers, who are the trade targets that people are talking about? Who are the big names right now during trade season? Uh, I would say, obviously, we just talked about him. I think P Pascal Siakam is arguably the biggest one we'll have uh, early on, at least in trade season. Um, another one I've seen circulating is DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. Uh, I think what the problem is right now with Atlanta, and this is me hinting into, you know, a seller, spoiler alert, but the problem right now with Atlanta is that they, they really haven't found any rhythm with pairing him and Trey Young in that backcourt. And... I think at this point, they're looking to ship him out somewhere, a team that I could see him going to. And I think the best place for him is the Golden State Warriors uh, at whatever price it may be. The reason for that is 
I think adding him to that backcourt with Steph, no offense to Clay Thompson, love the guy, really great player as far as the history of the NBA goes. Everyone, it's been one of the biggest stories. He hasn't been cutting it as well this year. I think adding DeJounte to that backcourt at the shooting guard helps pair Steph up with a guy a lot more he can work with and almost, you know, a guy who could shoot pretty well too. I think DeJounte Murray, if I look, he's averaging right around right around 20. Right around 20 a game. He's a scorer. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously Golden State, I, I don't know if Golden State's sitting there selling even at whatever at that spot they're in the West just because of who they have and the culture that they've built there. So I think pairing him up in the backcourt with Steph is a good option. The concern is that DeJounte sometimes plays points, but I, I mean, honestly, I don't think that's the biggest deal when you have Steph Curry. I'm going to be well, quite that, frank about it. Well, that's why he's one of the big trade targets for the Lakers is because of the fact that he is, I mean, he can play both positions, but he's best suited as a point guard, which, you know, on, on Golden State, you already have one of the best point guards in theory in Steph Curry, even though we know for the fact he's mainly a shooting guard. Uh, so it could work there. I mean, Steph almost makes any back guard, back court, uh, whatever alignment that you want to go ahead and choose, uh, it can make it efficient. Uh, but even he, he, we've seen some slippage this year, even from Steph Curry in what he is, uh, what level he's normally at. So that could be a possibility. The thing is, though, with with Golden State, they are such a small team physically outside, even on the perimeter, or even in you know in the backcourt. You know, their centers, their forwards, they're just they're just a small team by nature. There still doesn't help them with their size issues, but with that expiring contract from Chris Paul, that that's a major bargaining chip for them. If they decide to use it. I think it helps Atlanta too. If that were to happen, let's say that swap with picks or whatever between the two teams, uh, just because, you know, Atlanta can use some vet, a lot more vets. I feel like I know Trey young is getting to the point where he's been in the league for quite a bit. Um, but I, I do think having Chris Paul in that backcourt just kind of lets helps Atlanta reevaluate where they're at as a team. I think, you know, no, no offense to Chris Paul, but I, I don't know if he's at the stage anymore where he's going to be able to win a title or have that much pull when it comes to where he wants to go and whatnot. Um, so I think that'll be a good spot for him. And then even you, you mentioned it too. There, there is a there is a pretty big size problem in Golden State. The one guy who still needs to develop, but really is the only one that I feel like at times provides size for them is Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah. Really outside, yeah, outside of him, I, I don't. There's not really a whole lot of people there, so but I, I they're, think they're playing so many games with him. And you recently voiced his displeasure about his way he was being handled by Steve Kerr. I know Steve Kerr and him had a talk, and ever since then he's been more productive and getting more minutes, but even now he's still coming back. They still can't decide or commit to him starting or coming off the bench right now. He's coming off the bench with the return of Draymond. So he might also be on the books as well as someone who might be of interest for people out there. Yeah, he, he's a very interesting uh, one, you know, obviously the drama that's been around him really most of his career uh, just creates concern with a lot of teams, but Team, you know, there there's teams that could use an energy guy and, you know, a guy who sits down and plays good defense for what it's worth and a veteran. If there's a team out there that needs that, I think he definitely is a name. 
you can get. And I don't know what Golden State would want for him, but I think it just depends on whether or not they're fed up or if they're just, you know, kind of being stingy with him still. But I think if there's a team out there that wants a guy that sits down, plays good defense and, you know, brings that kind of energy, they can go out and get him too. Golden State's interesting. That I think that I marked them down too. They're, they're just, to me, they're a team where, again, you know, it seems like if they were a team with any other name in the NBA, where they're at, you would say sell. But since they're the Golden State Warriors and they still have Steph Curry, it's almost like, uh, are, are they really though? Or are they looking just to kind of build towards at least fighting for, you know, play in at this point in time? So it's very interesting. I do also would like to mention and talk about, you said DeJounte to the Lakers, and I think that's a very good option. I don't, I got a question for you. Are they going to, do you think they're going to ship D'Lo out of there? Is that the plan or? Well, I know if I'm Atlanta and I always say this from Atlanta, you know, I always say when I talk about trades, I don't like to do it as much as Laker Tom and some others here on this channel, which I know you're now familiar with uh, in being initiated to the Lakers fast break talk that we do because Laker Tom, would, he'd trade you and I and put us out there on a trade proposal for a bag of chips. If he could, it, it, you know, <laughs> that got views and articles, but when it comes right down to it, uh, I'd go ahead. And when I think of these trade proposals, I always try to think of it from what does the other GM for the other team, what would they ask for? So the first thing, if Lakers, Rob Palinka calls the, the Atlanta GM on the phone, the first thing the Atlanta GM is going to ask for is not D'Angelo Russell. He's going to ask for Austin Reeves. That's the first name he's going to ask for. And it all depends on how much you in love you are and how much of a man crush you have on Austin Reeves. Do you think he is a vital key going forward for the Lakers? Or do you think with his flaws, it's something where he can only, he only has so far of a ceiling that you might want to go ahead and sell high at this point in time, so to speak. So you have to look at it from that, from that standpoint, but I know the Lakers would offer D'Angelo, but whether or not ultimately he would be the, the lead chip on that, him, Rui Hashimura. I've talked about trying to see if we could work a deal where the numbers would work for DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella or Bogdan Bogdanovich. Unfortunately, I think we cannot get all three. I think the numbers, it's over $50 million for all three of those players. The numbers just statistically for the Lakers, they just don't have a large chip like golden state does to go ahead and get that done that way they just would have to put out uh, too many players i think in order to get all three but they could easily get a package and i've been talking about dejounte murray before dejounte murray's name was really out there as a trade target i just see him as a guy who he checks some of the boxes more so than a zach levine and some others for me i just think I'm not in love with Zach Levine, but I know he's still a hot trade target for the Lakers because just who he is, where he comes from, and what he might do as far as the scoring punch as well. But I'd probably say for DeShante Murray, it is something where I would package him in a deal with uh, Capella, most likely, because they would want to get rid of that extra year on the contract. The first thing they would ask for is Austin Reeves, but ultimately I probably I probably think they would trade D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I, I- I would think so too. And I, I think I, D'Angelo Russell, I think could, you could get a lot of offers, not only from Atlanta, from other teams for him. I mean, I still think he, he shoots the ball from three pretty well. He's at 40% this year on that. Uh, 
I believe it's right around 48% from the field, if I'm correct, for yes. D'Lo. Yes. And at 15 points per game, you know, it's not a ton of scoring or anything like that. He can't carry your scoring load, but he's going to, you know, I feel like he can fit into a starting rotation and be a facilitator you know, almost, you know, to help the other scorers on the wings and anyone else in the rotation with him. So he's a good option for definitely some other teams out there if I sat and thought about it. You all, you actually, so you brought up Levine, and I think that's interesting because the Chicago Bulls have been playing relatively decent basketball as of late. So I don't know what their thoughts are. I believe they're four spots back from the Magic, who are in eighth and ninth in the play-in. Yes. Um, I don't I, – so that's a tight spot for the Bulls because it's like – I don't I don't know if you want to get rid of a guy who's averaging 20 when you're still kind of they really they've sat in the play in the entire year. So it's like I don't really know if you want to trade and try again at the play in again. Well, or... I know Chicago does because you've got a player that has a hundred forty eight million dollar contract or how much is left on this contract. I see. He, he just comes off an injury. He's never been able to really sustain himself over many seasons as far as at a continuously high level as far as being available. I mean, last year he played 77. This year he's not going to because he's already missed time. He's just coming back. He is shooting a lot better because he started the season pretty poorly. He was really a high volume 20 point scorer, but he was really shooting poorly from three, but now he's shooting a lot better from three. He still can't play defense to save his life. As you see that reflected as far as the scores right there and, and his defensive rating. But I think when it comes right down to it, you get a guy that's 28 with a history of injuries, not being consistent out there on the defensive end. And yes, he does give you that scoring punch, which I know that Joe Soro on our show has mentioned repeatedly that the Lakers need, but I'm just worried that this could be another Russell Westbrook trade haunting us. If we go that far now, if they get, they start packaging stuff with it, like, Patrick Williams, or they start bundling a pick with with uh, Levine in order for us to go ahead and take on that money. Then the 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 tone and tenor of my willingness to take on that trade changes. But if you're asking us to give a substantial amount for Zach Levine, I'm sorry, I'm not buying in on that one. Yeah, so that's so that kind of changes the outlook then on it a little. If it's that much money, I do think. If Chicago is really willing, and again, I think if Chicago wants to, I don't really think they'll expand beyond the play-in anytime soon in the near future. So if they really want to kind of sit and build around some younger people like Kobe White, who I think has some promising games every now and then, and then get rid of some of the other guys they have on their team. Uh, You mentioned Levine, the one that really sticks out to me, and it's sad for me to say, but Nikola Vucevic is the one that sticks out to me. There's a lot of Chicago people not happy with the way he's been playing down low at center. Especially so, when Andre Drummond you know, resurrects himself uh, in his absence. And uh, now it has everybody here at Lakers. Uh, Let's bring back Andre Drummond. Let's bring back Andre Drummond. Hey, didn't work the first time. Let's go ahead and try it again. I'm like, my gosh, can't we be a little bit more creative than that? But Right now, you're right. When it comes to Vucevic, he has not achieved his his usual numbers, especially from the outside, where he's supposed to be that stretch five that can rebound, that can give you that type that type of scoring punch as well. But 
he's not lived up to his contract that he signed. And it's kind of funny how that works out as far as players signing big contract, not meeting up to those expectations. Yeah. I mean, he could still rebound pretty well uh, like he has been his whole career, but again, at three, the three point shooting this year, I just looked 24% on the year. It's at not anything special whatsoever. And for, you know, a guy who, like you said, when it comes to him versus Draymond Green, there's a lot of impressed people without Draymond uh, – or, ooh, Andre Drummond, excuse me, wrong name, without Drummond came in and played. I think, you know, there was a lot of people who were saying it, it should be – you know, we really should take a look at this moving forward. So Chicago definitely – I think they're going to be overall an active team when it comes to what they want to do because I still think if they continue to play like they have been throughout the remainder of January – they may be able to push uh, to a play-in. Won't be anything crazy. I don't think they'll even get out of the play-in. But if they want to do that, I don't know if they'll really make any moves. But again, with how Levine's contract is set up in his injuries and Vucevic's pretty subpar shooting from long range, I, I don't really know if they want to sit and stick with that in the long run. Because again, I don't really think uh, they'll they'll really push beyond the play in with who they have right now. And so it might be, might be getting close to rebuild time in the windy city. This is Raphael from NBA draft And you are listening to the Lakers fast break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation. We thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you had watched The Tomorrow War before The Matrix. Yes. If you forced me down, you, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. So I ask you this, my friend, and once again, I'm on with Alfred Esmond. Please go ahead and check out the great work he's doing today at fansided.com. When it comes right down to it, it is, again, that trade season. I I don't want to say that we've really established right now who are the teams to compete in both conferences because we've seen teams slide before you know, starting in January or February and they start to slide off in some cases. So I ask you this at this point, from what you see, 
who are the buyers and sellers in the NBA trade market? Let's start off with who are the sellers? Because that seems to always be a smaller list than who the buyers truly are. So the team, I'll start with the team we haven't talked about yet, who's a seller. Uh, It's going to be the Washington Wizards. They really, I mean, this year, the Jordan Poole experiment is what I call it, has not worked (laughs) at at all, uh, if I had to put it frankly. And they really just don't, they're barely kind of keeping pace above Detroit, who has been a dumpster fire this season. I don't, I don't see them doing anything but giving up their assets for, you know, guys for reevaluation uh, for their next season. So the guys, I think they're going to look to ship out. Uh, Tyus Jones has been a big name when it comes to the point guard department. I think he could be shipped somewhere. Kyle Kuzma is another one. They'd look to get him out of there. Um, if someone wants, I, I don't really know. I think, they're, what they'll stick with is pool. And I think they're just going to look for draft capital, to be honest. I think they're just going to want to build up, get a lot of picks, uh, just have a lot of options going forward, get a lot of people in and out of that team to see what they have. And I, I, I don't know if people were expecting, you know, a rebuild with this team this season. I was expecting maybe competitive, not anything crazy, but maybe competitive with a playing spot with them getting pool and the guys that are around him. But it's just not worked like I would have thought. So I do think the two main guys who are getting shipped out for them are Tyus Jones and Kyle Kuzma. There's also, I've seen this too on Twitter. It's not that popular, but Gafford is another name. I think you got to stick with Gafford if you're Washington. I think that's the one guy you hold on to right now, just because he's a very good, he, he's been shown to be a very good rebounder and shot blocker uh, and has on occasion some decent scoring nights. So I, I think that's the one guy they keep. I don't know how true, how much I would look into them trading him, but Washington most certainly is a seller at the deadline. Uh, the other, I guess, again, I alluded to it with DeJounte when we talked about him a little bit ago, but the Atlanta Hawks also, I think it's safe to say at this point, the Trey Young DeJounte backcourt experiment has not worked there. Uh, the last two years before this first round exits each time. And when you get to that stage where your first round exits two years in a row, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much further you're going to go than that with what you have, really. And thus far, they're outside of the play-in, and they, they honestly just don't play good basketball. They make an argument, in my opinion, to be one of the worst teams on defense in the NBA. So they, I think they'll ship out DeJounte as well as Clint Capella, who I think we went over a little, but is another pretty big name for people in the deadline. I do have a team in mind for him when we get to the buyers at some point but they're the other team that's selling and then this is a tough one because i think they're in a really tricky spot uh toronto is the other one again with pascal we talked about it uh they had that big rj barrett quickly trade back with new york a little bit ago sending og to the knicks i like the move really for toronto because what it does is they hit the reset button, but not really a I don't I don't know if it's necessarily a rebuild button, if you know what I'm saying. I think what they're doing is they're getting newer blood into the team to kind of figure out what they're doing and where they're at. And really, uh where whenever or whoever they trade Pascal to, when I, I think it's gonna happen. And when it does, I'm interested to see who they get because 
when that happens, I think we'll be able to tell if they're going to, you know, really kind of maybe even make a play in push this year or not make the play in and just say, look, we'll be in the lottery. We're going to try to land a big splash with this next guy coming in. And, you know, we'll have role players around this big guy we get, you know, later in the lottery that we can build around. So, again, with Toronto, I think they're sellers, but I don't know if it's a rebuild selling job as much as it is a reset and reconfigure selling job with them. So those are my sellers. Hawks, uh, Raptors, and Wizards. I've got one for you that you didn't mention, and that was mentioned in our chat. It was a great suggestion by Jay. The Brooklyn Nets. They're currently 10th place in the Eastern Conference standings. They're well under 500. Doesn't look like it's going to be a great season. And they do have a lot of veterans on that team that could be moved with relatively little ease on that concern. And yeah, I know that Brooklyn has some draft picks, you know, that they haven't given away that they, that they've actually also obtained as well. But yeah, they could be a definite seller come the trade deadline as well. Yeah, they have the picks that they do have. I think they're the Suns picks originally, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So they have those. But again, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's been a very off year in Brooklyn. Uh, but they then just, they gave. I think in the the original James, you know, James trade, James Harden trade. I think they lost a few of those first rounders as well. So, okay. Just to so recoup you, what they gained. Yeah, I think they're. Re, I think they. I think they're break even right around thereabouts on on their draft choices right now. Right. So yeah, they'll definitely, they're like the wizards in the sense that they might look for capital as well then, because I don't, they're really scarce on picks now that I hear that. You got, to, well, I mean, cause, and then you got Ben Simmons that's still sitting on there and you don't oh know his God. status going forward, but you got, yeah. you know, play, you got solid players out there. Lonnie Walker, the fourth did start the season well, but we don't know his injury status. If he's going to be able to be consistent for you still going forward, but there's Dorian Finney Smith. I know there's other players on the team a lot of people are looking at. Even if you're willing to go ahead and say uh, Cameron Thomas, uh, Cam Thomas, who's really been a high score for them, if you're really ready to go ahead and say he's not going to be a long-term fit for us, maybe you look at trading that young asset as well. Yeah, I think so. the two with them, you you mentioned, I I was going to mention him too, Lonnie Walker. I I love his shooting ability. I I think he's very good at the long-range shot. Again, I don't, he's going to be a role player that's good for, you know, a lot of things, but pretty much that, that's what he'll be mainly brought off of a bench for. So that, that's what they can look for. And again, that's a guy, I think a lot of teams can just say, Hey, Brooklyn, how about Lonnie Walker for this draft pick and this draft pick? Yeah, we'll do that. We need draft picks. So that's a good, nice trade they can do. And Cam Thomas too. I think Cam Thomas has shown very good flashes of being a scorer that he can be. His shooting is a little down. Uh, efficiency wise and percent wise, I just saw it was 35% from field goal from for field goals and then 28 for threes. Mm-hmm. But I, he does at times, I agree with you. He does score a good bit. And I think if there are teams out there, a good option could be maybe if Toronto is willing for some of their picks, I don't know if they'll want to do their high end ones. Cause you know, like I said about the lottery, they'll want that pick to try to make a big splash. But some of their future picks down the road, if they want to do that and get a Cam Thomas to come in to kind of be paired up with quickly RJ and those other guards that can score. I like RJ. He can score a good bit. I think that could be a good, decent place for Thomas. Um, 
again, I, I, I kind of called him out on his shooting. I, I, Cam Thomas is still a great scorer. I think he can get a lot of a good, decent amount of offers for him. But he's a one-dimensional player. Let's just yes. put it right down to it. He's a one. He's not a, a really super efficient player, or from, especially from behind the arc. But he can fill it up, and uh, that's the one thing he can do. And ultimately, whether you decide whether he's a starter or a six-man type coming off the bench, I still think that's yet to be determined. But uh, definitely something that we can look into. Um, also here today, good man indeed who popped in as far as his thoughts on the eight NBA trade ten, deadline talk is a good friend indeed. It is Laker Nick and Laker Nick. Great to have you here, my friend. What are your thoughts on the NBA trade talk with me and Alfred Esmond of Fansided? Hey, Gerald. Uh, thanks for hosting and Alfred. It's great to have you uh, back on the LFB. Um, just uh, as a recap, and I'm sure you've uh, probably touched on this, Alfred, but I'd love to pick your brain on what do you think are some realistic moves uh, the Lakers could make uh, in the coming weeks? Um, obviously, the trade deadline is on, I think, February 8th. So uh, I would love to get your thoughts, uh, especially for us that are a little late to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, we talked about it earlier, but I'll dive right back into it again. I think the, the real a real good thing that LA could do, if they were able to get Reeves out. I think that's probably a good option for them. That what that's what they might do. Because again, the defense is a concern. I think it is a really bad concern. You see it all the time. I think having him out and doing a separate trade to have Dejounte come in and kind of fill his space, so to speak, on the team, really gives them a different look. And I don't know if it necessarily pushes them high into the Western Conference standings. But I think it gives them more room to breathe as far as within the play-in or a lower seed. Uh, I, I think DeJounte's, again, DeJounte's scoring spurt, like Joe Sora loves, really helps the offense that the Lakers have. Uh, and again, I think you talk about the defense. I think he really can play better defense than Austin Reeves can. I'm going to be straight up honest. Uh, I like what he would provide to the team. But I think if you do that, a key, and I don't know if the Laker fans in the chat or if you guys will like this, I think a key to that is holding on to D'Angelo Russell. Because what I think D'Angelo Russell will do is he'd be the glue that where he keeps his, you keep his three-point shooting, you keep his shooting there, and he can get the ball to DeJounte, who can get scoring spurts, to LeBron, who I think is still going to provide the Lakers with tons of scoring. And to AD even, I, I love watching AD when he goes out and has those big games. So I think the biggest move that can happen is one, you ship out Reeves, do whatever, get whatever you would like for him, get DeJounte in a separate one, have him fill his spot, and then make sure you hold on to D'Angelo Russell. Because again, I, I really kind of like what DeJounte can do at the two as far as his scoring spurts goes. And I, I think that'd be a good fit for LA. That's my biggest move I think they can make. Yeah, no, uh, thanks, Alfred. And actually, outside of the outside of the Lakers, again, you might have touched on this, but what do you see uh, some of the bigger moves or some of the bigger names getting uh, shipped out in the coming weeks? I know that um, I think there was a rumor out today saying that uh, there's a potential trade package of, of uh, Pascal Siakam being sent over to the Indiana Pacers. I'm not sure how viable that may be, but um, what bigger names do you actually see as uh, very real possibilities of uh, getting getting moved at, at the trade deadline? Uh, so some other big names I could see. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys, I just, it's a big name because of last NBA season, a name I've seen thrown into that Pascal trade. I don't know if Indiana would be willing to do it just because of how short he's been there. The Bruce Brown is the big name. And I say, cause of last year, cause of how he did for Denver. I'm not overly sure if he became trade eligible, but that's, I'm assuming he did just because I saw that on Twitter thrown out in the rumors with Pascal. Uh, and that would be, I think that'd be interesting just in the sense of where he's going to Toronto. Cause again, I think Toronto is under the magnifying glass, this deadline and getting a guy like Brown in there really helps. I think glue the other guys together, like RJ and quickly who can score in spurts. Uh, Brown can get the ball to them. I like Bruce Brown's ability, his passing ability and whatnot. We saw that in the playoffs last year with Denver, getting the ball, the guys like Jokic and really being the in-between guy for Jokic and Murray and that connection that they have. So I don't know, Laker Nick, I don't know if that's a huge, huge name. Again, it's Bruce Brown, but I think in the set, it becomes a huge name in the sense of where he's going. Does that make sense? No, no, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. Uh, Alfred, actually another name that I was just curious about, I don't, again, I'm not sure if you've discussed them already, but there has been some, uh, I guess just some fodder about him. It's uh, Kyle Kuzma. Do you, do you see a market for him? Uh, this trend deadline? Um, what about him? I do. I, I do because I love Kyle Kuzma. I think when he moves downhill toward the rim and I, when I watch the wizards play and he's moving downhill toward the rim with the ball, he is a very, very hard man to stop uh, just because of his size and how he just imposes his will getting to the basket and scoring. I think there's a huge market for him. I think if, if there's a team that struggles with points in the paint out there and a team that, you know, needs a guy that can move downhill and really score at high rates. And I, I think you can also group Kyle Kuzma into a scoring spurt category where he'll give you spurts like that. I think there's a, definitely a market out there for him. I think the wizards could get uh, smaller player pieces for him, or I think the wizards biggest need right now, in my opinion, just because of where they're at is draft capital and their ability to get picks and to try to find that guy in upcoming drafts to help them out and be the centerpiece for whoever else they're going to keep at the end of this deadline. So there is a market for Kuzma strictly because he can score at will when he's moving down toward the rim. And not, I don't think there's a lot of defenders down low or even just in general in the NBA that can stop it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and actually just uh, one last question, Alfred. Um, um, I'm loving the conversation. The crowd is as well. Um, what, um, I guess uh, what you what you were just talking about with uh, the Wizards and Washington, uh, do you see like a team going like full throttle with a blow up uh, in the the deadline? Uh, you know, actually moving a lot of pieces. Whether that might be I don't know Chicago, for example, or obviously Toronto. Um, people are saying that that's not necessarily a blow up, but more or less a reset of of sorts. Uh, do you see teams actually? Uh, you know, going full throttle on, on a blowout uh, this uh, this coming trade line? Yeah, I think you, you mentioned my two biggest picks probably, which is either Washington or Chicago. I think Washington's definitely more likely just from the standpoint that they're not competitive at all right now in the NBA. But Chicago, if they really feel the vibe of, you know, we're stuck in this play-in cycle and we're not really going to get out of it with what we have, Levine's expensive. He's hurt. Nikola Vucevic has not shot the ball well from deep. Those are two guys right off the rip who we're, we're going to be able to trade somewhere, wherever it may be for 
whether it's draft picks, other, other pieces that they need on their team, they'll do that. The reason though, that I think it's less likely with them is just because they're playing a little bit better. They're in a, in the plane in the East and they've kind of stuck, like been stuck there all year. So I, I, don't, I don't, it's not like they haven't been in the play in that much. I, they've, they've been stuck in there since I think almost the beginning of December. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's more likely with them, but that's definitely a blow up. And like you said, I think I, I would shut down all Toronto is going to blow it up rumors this deadline strictly because of the uh, the RJ quickly trade from earlier in the year. I think that move right there kind of said, all right, well, they got OG out. That was the, one of their big moves, but they got two guys in who really, I think, you know, can fill the role OG had of his defense with their scoring spurts. Uh, I, I just think quickly with the ball in his hands is very good. He has it on a string. He can move quickly with he can move quickly with it. No pun intended. Um, RJ, I like his scoring that he can when he gets into a groove, whether it's from mid range down low or three, he can score at will at times. I do think you lost a lot of defense with OG leaving, but again, I'm not sitting here being like that was a blow up move right there for Toronto. I mean that Toronto's still very well, you know with pieces uh i like darko as a coach i think he's you know very passionate about where he is what he has with him so i think again the way i worded it was it is a reset and reevaluation deadline for them not necessarily a rebuild evaluation or a rebuild deadline for them does that answer your question no, yeah, no, most definitely, um, Alfred. No, it's been uh, super helpful, insightful uh, to have you on the show. Um, great conversation, Gerald. Uh, thanks for hosting. As always, Nick, you're the man. Absolutely, no problem. Once again, it's Laker Nick. Once again, it's also Alfred Esmond. Please catch all the work he's doing today at fansided.com. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, you mentioned what team you think is going to blow it up. I'm looking at it more and more, and I did discuss them earlier. I think Brooklyn is going to blow it up. Uh, I mean, at this point, what do they have to gain? They are certainly nowhere near the team that they were with the vaunted Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden deal that they had, and that obviously blew up in their face. I see the assets they have now, and you know whether it's Dory Finney, Dorian Finney-Smith or whoever you have throw out there, I just don't see anyone on that team – Maybe, I don't know. It just seems to me outside of Bridges, anyone else that you really need or want to build around. So that means you could have a lot of floating assets out there that people or that other teams would be interested in. Yeah, I actually, and thank you, Gerald, because I do keep leaving them out of this conversation, but they are certainly a blow up team. And that's, I, I think it was always weird too when they got Bridges, not because, you know, he's not a good player. But when they got him, they really didn't, you know, get another star level caliber player with him. And when they didn't do that, I'm like, well, do they want to go with Bridges as their, their, you know, their guy in quotes going forward? Because again, I love guys like Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker. And even, you know, one guy who I think a lot of people sleep on is Royce O'Neal. I think Royce O'Neal has a good shot. Again, he doesn't get the necessarily the minutes to show it but I think it's another guy too. They have a lot of role players that, you know, are decent, but then, then it's like a big gap. It feels between them and Mikhail. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think you can 
have just McHale out there and expect to do a whole lot. You can expect them. I don't think they will this year. I agree with you, but you can expect them to be a playing team. But I don't, I don't, I don't see them going anything beyond that with just Bridges and what they have. So yes, I do think once they ship guys like the two names we mentioned and the two, I think pretty likely ones they'll ship are Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker. I think when once they ship them out, it'll all of a sudden become okay. So we'll have to see what they do. But I think it might be time to blow it up in Brooklyn. Uh, Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal, a lot of uh, players in play that could be part of trades come upcoming for a lot of future assets for the Brooklyn Nets. But let me throw this at you here, Laker Nick. Somebody that we really haven't talked about in abundance that has been playing really well, that it was kind of cool on last year, Terry Rozier and the rest of the Charlotte Hornets, because Charlotte is, <laughs> wow, what a surprise. They stink this year <laughs> so i ask you nick and then i'll ask you as well alfred because obviously you know the eastern conference uh, even better than we do when it comes right down to it nick though how does terry rosier appear to you because he has been playing really well as of late uh yeah gerald uh well two observations and it's uh mainly two concerns that i, I have with uh, terry rosier one i'm always uh, suspicious of very small guards um, and he's a very small guard. So that's uh, my first concern. Uh, my second concern is uh, just playing off of what you just mentioned, Gerald, about the Charlotte Hornets. They're an awful team. They're not a good team. And how many times have you been duped that a player is excelling on a poor team and then their value goes up, but then they go to a better team and they're not able to perform at or near that same level? Um, so. In other words, you know, in a poor team, uh, you're going to have to have uh, players that look good statistically. Um, I'm not saying that Rozier is a bad player or any of that uh, nature. I'm not. I'm just saying that, you know, I have those two concerns with uh, with him. Um, he wouldn't be my first choice uh, for a trade target. I would much rather go for someone like uh, Alfred was uh, mentioning, uh, DeJounte Murray something along those lines where we get more size, uh, more defense, um, you know, possibly better ball handling, uh, that type of thing. So Terry wouldn't be uh, my first choice, Gerald. Okay, fair enough. I just wanted to make sure because he has been scoring really well, averaging 23 points a game. He's been shooting, uh, I don't want to say lights out, but he's been shooting very well from behind the arc. His playmaking skills you could love him or hate him, but uh, he has proved that he can be a more than serviceable, serviceable veteran on a team. And I think his name's going to be out there, Alfred. It depends on how much you're willing to go ahead and pay for his services. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, that's, that's like the one kind of, <laughs> I guess, good thing thus far that's come out of Charlotte this year has been his play. Um, they're definitely, I mean, if they're on any line, I, I don't, I haven't really looked into them as much this trade deadline, but if they're on any side of the spectrum, it's most certainly the seller one. Because again, I talked about Washington, Charlotte is in that same exact boat that they're in as far as where they're at as a team. Uh, Nick, I do like what you said though. I think the size is, is a bit of an issue. Um, but if teams, I think if there are teams that are willing to explore what he's about, a team I, I think that could use him a lot and use his shooting is 
Oh, the Orlando Magic. I think, you know, we need a guard of a good point guard that can fit the role Markel had. The reason where I'm why I'm on that is Markel Fultz, you know, again, injury. He has a contract coming up, an expiring one that's seventeen million. I don't know if they're gonna be willing to pay that when they have Anthony Black who's looking to develop and they could get another guard with some draft picks who he can marinate and develop underneath. I think Terry Rozier can do that. Now, whether or not they want him to run the point is the question, especially when they got Cole Anthony. But rotation, rotation-wise, I think Terry Rozier in some type of way could fit into the Magic spot. So I think he's a possible one that could come out of Charlotte. Uh, the Magic were the first team, just because I, I follow them and write about them. They are the first team that came to mind when it came to guards for me. But there are certainly others out there who could look into him. Another player who I think creates some interest in Charlotte's Gordon Hayward, who I think, you know, still kind of produces a good bit as a role guy. I mean, you look, I'm looking at him right now, 14 and a half a game, uh, 54 total shooting percentage, 40, uh, right around 47 from the field. And he's in the high thirties in three point three pointers. So it's nothing crazy and it's nothing I'm like exactly freaking out about, but that's another name I'd throw in as far as a guy who could go to a team who just is a sets up and is just there for the role of it. He's obviously not going to be your number one scoring option. He's obviously not going to be your number two. He maybe cracks your number three, but I mean, it's another guy I think who we should throw out there from Charlotte, the two being Rogier and Hayward. Okay. What about uh, uh, not? Yeah. What about Mark Williams? Uh, who's been a name that's also, or Nick Richards, I'd say would probably be the, cause Mark Williams looks like he's going to be a keeper there for, Charlotte for at least a little while, but but Nick Richards is a name as the backup who's been very efficient coming off the bench for them in Charlotte. Yeah, he he's definitely the one. Uh, uh, just real quick, I think if there's anyone in Charlotte, you know, obviously besides like Lamelo Ball that they hold on to, it's Mark Williams. Just because Mark, I think Mark Williams has looked like a promising young underrated center as far as the league goes. He's a productive scorer, rebounds pretty well. Uh, what more can you ask out of a center that starts like that? But Nick Richards is interesting. Uh, very, very efficient scoring the ball. And again, people will say it's not hard for these centers. They're standing right by the rim the whole time, but above 53%, his last three games, 67% for field goals on the season. Uh, that That's pretty dang good. And, you know, I mean, he's averaging 24 minutes a game too, while doing this. So he's a guy who could score a good bit. Uh, the rebound numbers, are okay right now. But again, he's pretty, pretty young though. Cause those can go up. I think, I think he's an interesting one. I, I think if there's a team out there, a selling team, like a, like a Washington or an Atlanta who would ship out Capella, I think sending Nick Richards to Atlanta could be an option for him to develop and a flourish. If Atlanta decides to go the rebound route, another one too, because of uh, Andre Drummond's age, Chicago. I mean, you know, why not put Nick Richards in Chicago for a team that like Laker Nick was saying, if they decide to blow up, he could be the one that they look for for centers because obviously it, why I mentioned that is because they'd ship out Vucevic due to his, how much he's paying paid for and how, you know, how little he's producing from three. So the two teams I could see Nick Richards going to is Atlanta and Chicago strictly because they're going to, they're going to, if they do do moves, they'll ship these centers out and there'll be a, hold a fix at least in some type of way for both of them once again it is alfred esmond please go ahead and check out his great work today at fansided.com 
Laker Nick, want to stay with me, my friend, because I'm going to bring on Jamie Sweet where we'll talk the Lakers Lakers starting lineups here in just a second. Uh, if you don't mind, Nick, how about the yeah, no, yeah, Gerald. Uh, I had a, I had a, one more question for Alfred if sure. he's uh, still around for um, uh, Alfred. Uh, and again, you might have touched on this uh, earlier before I joined, but in terms of um, some of the big dogs in the league, and by big dogs I mean the, the teams that are actually doing well in the standings, like the Celtics, Bucks, uh, you know, the Wolves, Thunder, Nuggets. Uh, which which of those teams do you actually see uh, making? A meaningful acquisition not that they necessarily need it but um there have obviously been rumblings uh surrounding uh those teams and potentially making some moves along the margins but i'd love to get your thoughts on that yeah so a team i'll go to the western conference a team that isn't like as high right now as not that anyone is but isn't as high right now as minnesota and oklahoma city that i i think could make a big acquisition is the sacramento kings who I, th- I believe they're fifth right now in the standings, somewhere right around there. They're kind of on the tail of the Clippers. Yes, because I think they're on the tail of the Clippers who are in fourth. And the move I think they make right now is a center. A guy like uh, Clint Capella immediately comes to mind. And the reason I say that is, <laughs> I mean, Javel McGee is averaging four points a game for them. And they have... Uh, Sabonis's label as a forward cent- slash center, but I'm a be- if I'm being honest, Sabonis is a lot more efficient when he is in the post at the mid-range level, either working his way inside at the rim or toward the rim or s- shooting and scoring from mid-range in and of itself. He doesn't really, he's not the true, you know, get boards, get a lot of blocks type center that a guy like McGee is, but then you look at McGee and I don't think he's really cutting it as, you know, the biggest, brightest center Sacramento could have. So if you send a guy like Capella there, you get a guy that could block a lot of shots, uh, that sits down and it plays really, really good defense. You get a guy who still scores at times at a pretty decent rate, rebounds well. And I think it's good because now what that creates is you have the guard in the backcourt, De'Aaron Fox, who is very shifty, creative, scores a lot. He's prob- he would probably makes an argument for their main scorer between him and Sabonis, kind of swapping depending on the night, their number one or number two scorer. Sabonis is, I think, the mid-range level guy who can work and create from that sort of level. And then you add Capella, who maybe won't wow you on offense, but he's going to be that anchor down low for that team at that level right around the rim when it comes to rebounding and defense. I think if they do that, that'll help them a lot in the West because, again, props to to the Timberwolves and Thunder right now this year, uh, having the seasons they are. I think they will end up in the playoffs, you know, when they keep this rate, I think they both will. But when you have a team like Sacramento, who has that experience from last year and that kind of run they had, adding a guy like Capella, I think kind of starts to propel you towards the direction of those teams as far as a top three seed in the West goes. Uh, just because you have, you now have guys at all three levels that can create the mid-range, three-point arc, guard, wherever, and then down low at the center spot. So that's 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 the move I was dying to say on here before getting on here was Capella to the Kings because I think what that does is just it helps them a lot and makes them immediately more competitive in the West. I know, you know, it wasn't necessary. You were asking for one of the top teams in the conferences and they're not maybe not necessarily one of the top top teams right now, but I think uh, as far as some of those high level teams in the West goes, they're one that can really just make them 
make them really a complete lineup as far as their starting lineup goes. If that answers your question. No, absolutely, Alfred. No, that's super helpful insights, like always. And uh, you're like uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, once again, it is Alfred Esmond. Uh, truly appreciate you stopping by. Kurt Affair says, before you leave, uh, Alfred, because I'm going to bring on Jamie here in a few minutes to talk about the Lakers starting lineup. But before you leave, Kurt Affair has a good question. And once again, thank you, Laker Nick, for all that you're doing with us with your Lakers fast break behind the scenes and obviously out front. I know you said you had to go and uh, take a call, but please jump back on when you can or if you can later here in just a few as I talk the Lakers starting lineup, because I'll be on for a little while with with Jamie Sweet, if that's OK, Laker Nick. No, absolutely, Gerald. No, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Alfred, uh, again, thanks so much for taking the time uh, for educating um, the audience and uh, me and Gerald, although Gerald doesn't need much educating. He, he's an expert himself, so uh, we really do appreciate it. <laughs> you are most kind, Laker Thank Nick. Thank you, sir. You are most kind. Absolutely, indeed. Once again, it's Laker Nick. Truly great to have him. Always a part of what we're doing here at the Lakers Fast Break. Once again, it is, of course, we've got Alfred Esmond here from Fansided. But before we head on out, Alfred, as far as bringing you, uh, having you uh, as far as on the show and then bringing in Jamie to talk the Lakers starting lineups, do want to go ahead and mention something, Kurt Affair. And uh, I see Ace as well. Ace Nubian, great to have you here. You've got a great comment as well. Let me ask you this. Uh, Kurt Affair says, what would be the trade for Capella? Obviously, picks are going to be involved. Let's put that to the side. But Harrison Barnes, has been seemingly a trade target forever. Now he's gone from the guy that other teams have wanted to get from the Kings to now being a guy that maybe the Kings want to get rid of to go to other teams. It's just, it's because of his age, he has now migrated over to that side of the equation where uh, it's just interesting. He was on the other side of the equation instead. Yeah. So again, I think if, the way this happens with uh, to answer Kurt's question, obviously, like you said, picks will be involved. I think Atlanta is going to want some picks from Sacramento and Sacramento will be willing to do that just because they're more towards the trajectory of title contention, as opposed to blowing it up like Atlanta. Uh, as far as Atlanta goes, I do like Harrison Barnes, that idea, just because if Atlanta decides to blow it up and Harrison Barnes at this point is heading towards uh, the twilight of his career, I think he'll I think what he'll do is he'll be a good headpiece that Atlanta can have for the time being and that they can use to build other young stars that they may get around them. I don't know how many exactly picks uh, Atlanta would want for Capella. Maybe I'm not really sure. But again, I, I don't think Sacramento is that worried about dishing picks out to teams in order to make them more complete towards contending for a championship. So. I think I, I do like that a lot. I agree with you on that, Gerald. I do think it'll be Harrison Barnes strictly because of how much of a veteran he is and how Atlanta can use him to help develop younger guys they may have and keep and they may get around him. And then picks, obviously, to kind of help Atlanta find new talent and new guys who can become their star, so to speak, their future star in Atlanta. I do think, too, a guy like Harrison Barnes could be a great outlet option for Trey Young. Obviously, I think Atlanta's going to want to hold on to Trey Young. Uh, that does just does not want need to even be said. But 
he creates a good outlet guy for Trey Young to get the ball out to on the wing still. And whoever whoever else may be there for that team, Jalen Johnson is the I think would be the other wing guy slashing towards the rim and helping out Harrison as well. So I think it it helps Atlanta in the sense that Harris Barnes becomes the twilight career guy who's a veteran, has that kind of leadership role to him, and who can help the younger guys in the Atlanta locker room out as far as developing them goes. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it's Alfred Esmond from Fansided.com. Truly appreciate you being here, my friend. You're welcome to stay on with us, absolutely, if you want to talk Lakers basketball uh as far as a little bit of that concerned you always really uh wanting to hear your insight on it so you're welcome to stay with us if you want my friend well unfortunately i do have to go do some work uh i have some articles to do between now and then working on new thing i'm working on some sec baseball helping out college baseball for the sec helping those guys out with previews on a new website for them so i have a lot of that to do the season's in a month so we just have a lot to do with that um as far as I guess I'll leave with some comments on the Laker team, if that's OK, as Absolutely. far as where they go, where they're going. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I know, you know, I watch. Yeah, I watch you guys, you know, a good bit. I would like to think I look at I'm in that chat a lot. It's been rough going. You know, I, I can't can't lie about it. I, I think this deadline is more important than ever uh, for L.A. Obviously, you know, with keeping Darvin Ham you know, which I think is going to end up happening. You you have to be a buyer at this point to kind of mask doing that. So like, this is going to be very, very interesting for LA, what they do. I think what they need to do is either find a way to have a guy in the guard room to help Reeves or get Reeves out and have a guard come in to replace him. I think that is their biggest room for growth. I do think, you know, as far as, the wings and down low goes the Lakers are fine. I think they just need guards to help them out for the time being. Cause I, I just, I think you, you, you just haven't seen the high level of production from all of the guards 
more so that you've seen from the guys down low. You've seen off nights from guys like Max Christie. It's just one that pops up. I, I see his box score a good bit, and I'm just never that surprised by it or impressed, so to speak, by it. Um, another guy, too. I, I He had a few games where he played a little better, but Cam Reddish, I mean, I don't know if they'd be they'd be willing to ship him out, but he's another guy who could, you know, be shipped out as well. One guy I do like for the Lakers, I've liked him since he's been in college, JHS, Jalen hood Shafino. I think – if he if he is able to get more minutes and he has some time to develop, it's a guy they could go with. Again, if they're looking to compete, I don't know if you do that right now. But as far as, as the season goes on, if you're looking to get him some more minutes, maybe have him come off the bench, you could do that. But I think what they need to do is find ways to improve that guard room, whether that's you know getting Reeves out, getting a guard in to help Reeves and help be a supporter for Reeves as far as you know filling in for some of his minutes. Or like like I said before, getting Reeves out and then getting a guard to come in to fill his spot. So the Lakers, I think, are fine. No reason to freak out yet. But what they need to do to kind of work their way higher into the play-in is get guards in there to help that team out a good bit. Kurt Affairs, finally a positive JHS guy. Usually in here, it's like he stole someone's lunch money. <laughs> Again, I am not high on JHS at all. I think no. we blew it in the draft. Uh, I'm just going to say that out loud. I think, you know, I think think he absolutely blew it. Absolutely blew it. He's a, he's a rookie. And I understand, you know, it's like what it reminds me of it's different players and different playing styles. I think, but like Anthony black, Anthony black has not been anything shocking this year for Orlando. No, but Okay. Look where the Lakers were at. And I'm going to bring it to Jamie. And I know you, Jamie, you you can't be on too long, but uh, when it comes right down to the, you've got Keontae George, who's been playing well in Utah. Mm. You've got Jaime Hawkes Jr right there in Miami one drafted right before one drafted right after. And then again, the guy that Joe and I wanted on that day at that time, we were shouting why you didn't get a falling cam Whitmore cam Whitmore has now been really providing them huge minutes and scoring off the bench in Houston. Since he came back from the G league, they, they didn't rush him. They realized they have a plethora of wings in Houston they put him down the G League. They let him explode there, and they brought him back up with a whole bunch of confidence, and he's been playing like it ever since. Huh. And what has JHS been doing? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. nothing. And that's very disappointing for us here as far as Lakers fans. Something we absolutely need is just consistency off the bench, and we're just not getting it. And him and Maxwell Lewis is looking like a lost draft as of now for us, Alfred. It's just that simple. Do you, do I mean, you guys? I, I, think... I agree that I agree that he's a rookie and he just hasn't gotten the reps, right? He hasn't gotten the mm-hmm. shot, and right. he's not going to get it on this team, frankly. It's just not going to happen. Not, not in a meaningful way. And JHSJ, yes, he did twenty points in his first game with the South Bay Lakers. So hopefully, he may find his confidence there. But yeah, there's a lot of work to do right there for JHS. So is he? So is he right now in South Bay? Uh, back That's and forth. They're popping him back and forth. And he's yeah. been hurt a lot. He was hurt during camp and he's been hurt during the season. So. But right. in the in the past two weeks, he has started playing games for the South Bay Lakers yeah. and then also been on the roster various times for the Lakers in the games, although he isn't playing uh, right there. Scotty Pippen Jr., the guy who was the point guard at South Bay, just got signed to a two-year, two-way contract with Memphis. So 
we'll see what happens for him as there as well. But yeah, uh, Alfred, great to have you on. Keep up the great work. And where do they need to follow you on social media before before I get it over to Jamie? Yeah, so on uh, on X, the platform previously known as Twitter, you can follow me at Alfred Esmond. Very simple. That's all it is. Uh, Instagram is Alfred underscore Esmond. That's just my personal one. Y'all can if you'd like. I'm a league. I'm an impact. Oh, an ambassador for NBA League Pass at the University of Tennessee. So there's a link in my bio. If you are a college student out there watching, you get 40% off NBA League Pass for a monthly subscription. So it goes down from 15 to nine bucks. When you do that, I I use it. It's very helpful. I get all my magic games there and I'm out of market. So that helps me a lot. Watch that team play. Um, and then that's really it. Just keep checking out. If you guys want to, my blogs on fan sided for the Buffalo bills uh, in the heat of the NFL playoffs, a lot of interesting stuff there for them. Big game against Kansas city next week, the magic as well. On Orlando Magic Daily, of course, we're in the thick of trade season and the NBA season in general. And then baseball kind of getting right around the corner. We're a little under 30 days from spring training. Uh, follow, Look at me on the Tampa Bay Rays blog, Rays Colored Glasses, for all that stuff coming up very, very soon there. And then, of course, I mentioned it earlier, uh, we're working on some SEC baseball previews for college baseball on a site called the southeastern you know in reference to the sec so be on the lookout for those as well if you're a college baseball fan out there there you go alfred esmond always great to have you here come on back when you can my friend right here at the lakers fast break truly appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon my friend yes sir thank you guys enjoy your night you 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 do the same man see you soon see you soon alfred esmond a great part of what we do here at the lakers fast break but also a guy that's here who bailed out on me this past weekend along with Laker Tom. It is the guy known as Yami Swoot. Also, Akbar. there you go. Lakerholics.com, Jamie Sweet, Mr. Five Things himself. Jamie, great to have you here. The reason why I want to bring you on is the Lakers after the game against Oklahoma City. Uh, Darvin <laughs> Ham said the starting lineup that he was out there for the OKC game, which was D'Lo. Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, uh, of course, LeBron and AD. That was the starting lineup that started the season. He is now going back to it and says he's going to see it play out in that fashion for the foreseeable future. So your thoughts, my friend, on this new old starting lineup, which is now the talk of the Lakers world right now, is this the starting lineup that is going to happen for us going forward? I just dropped a fiver on this today on the, on the blog of the new old new again, starting five. Um, I, I still don't think Torian Prince needs to be in it. I'd still rather see one of Cam or Vando in there over Prince, but Vando's probably not going to get that shot yet. And Cam's out. So it's not surprising that he went with Prince. Prince has mostly been healthy all season long, been there since camp. I get it. Um, you know, what I did think was surprising was that Rui, again, still played about 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what this guy's got to do. He was shooting lights out. He and Christian Wood both were like, score the ball. And I get subbed out for Prince, and it gets a, get, the game gets a lot closer at the end because Prince can't make a shot and isn't a great defender. I mean, he's... He holds his own, but he's like Troy Brown Jr. You know, like he tries real hard, but he just doesn't have enough height, speed, 
strength, weight to bang or keep up or, you know, so he just, he always looks about a half step off when it comes to his defense. And that's not for lack of effort. It's just how his, you know, it's how he is. So, uh, you know, I, I give it, I, I give it till the trading deadline. <laughs> I do expect the Lakers to make some kind of move. And so whatever move that is ought to should impact the starting lineup. One would hope, um, if not, then it really just kind of feels like a lateral move at this point. Uh, and you might have to ask, like, if we included a draft pick, why we made it. Because um, we don't have a lot of draft picks to spare at this point. We got we got one. <laughs> one the, second rounders, the second rounders notwithstanding. Sure. But, yeah, pick the first swaps, rounders. And, and next summer. But next summer, if we hold on to that, it's 2029. Next summer, we can be much bigger players. I think we get two more added on to the next. That's right. You can add two more. So it goes from one to three. And with Dilo, who I'm, everybody's like, oh, he might opt out. He ain't opting out. He ain't getting no 18.5 anywhere else. His trade market know. is. Who's paying him 18.5? You never know, my friend. I mean, sure, I guess, but like, if he's smart, he'll take the guaranteed money and not test the market. Because you saw what happened to guys like Wood. You saw what happened to guys like you see what happens to guys who don't, you know, Schroeder. You got to earn that big money back again on vet minimum deals. And so, if he's smart, he just picks that option right up, unless he has like averages like thirty points a game and takes us to the NBA Finals. Okay, sure. Now you roll the dice, but as it stands, he's going to be on a team that's at this point outside of the plan, not a starter, lost his starting job to, you know, arguably a worse point guard in Reeves. Um, I'm not saying a worse basketball player, but a worse point guard. So I don't see where this new money is coming from. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not playing his way into a deal. So it's, it's curious to me, the thinking that, that anybody thinks he's not picking up that player option because I just don't see where a better deal's coming from. I, I get it that somebody could say like, okay, here's 15 for three years. You know, maybe the extra years, the extra security is enough to make somebody reconsider. If it's me, I take the 18.5 and I bet on myself. I, I, I bet I'm going to perform in a contract year. I bet I'm going to, you know, hit more threes the Lakers are going to need shooting or wherever he ends up. So that's that's my feeling. I, I, I like the starting, the new old starting new again lineup. Uh, okay. I didn't love it on opening night. And I, I don't love it now. I think it's so curious that I don't get it when coaches say, and this is what we're going to do. When everybody knows everything about sport is adjustments, is adapting, is, is, is seeing what happens and then changing to that. And so, and Vogel used to do the same thing in, in training camp. He'd be like, we want to find five guys and roll with them. And okay, sure. If you have like five near all-stars in your starting lineup, yeah, sure. You want those guys playing together. We ain't got no five near all-stars in our, our starting lineup. We got one guy who, you know, could come off the bench on any other playoff team in Tony and Prince. You have a guy who's looks like he plays better off the bench in Reeves. Uh, and you got other guys who look like they should be starting, but don't. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I really appreciate Alfred's optimism regarding JHS and, and, you know, saying that it wasn't time for Laker fans to like, you know, start freaking out, but he is I a rookie and it does take time. I mean, look at his, oh. his team out. Well, let me just say this. 
I will say in defense of him, and it's uh -huh. nice that he's thinking that positive. It's appreciated. But he has got a player of team he follows, the Orlando Magic, and Jalen Suggs, the guy who I was super high on right. coming out of the draft. I really thought he was going to be someone that is got like the point guard you want on a championship team. Right. Didn't start out like that, struggled mightily, still had just tremendous defensive skills. Finally starting to putting it together in his, what, third Third Everybody puts now? it together in their third year. Yeah, nobody so, gets. Uh, few players put it together in year one. Fewer put it together in year two. Year three or four. But now usually. you see what now now you see what's going on with them. Right. They're now you have a decent season. Uh, it's fallen a little bit apart, but as of late, but still having a pretty good season overall. And a lot of it is due to Jalen Suggs' improvement right there for you. So JHS could have a future. It's just that as of now, the 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 product that's there is so unpolished on every aspect from offensively, defensively, just everything about it is, is just terrible right now. It's not what the Lakers need. Lakers needed someone to come in there and contribute right away. Day one. And, and JHS no projects. is no, not that guy. No, Maxwell Lewis was not that guy. Oh. These guys may be three years Max down the line, like you said, but the Le LeBron, Cannot wait that long. LeBron may be out of the league at that time. Ham and Rob can't wait that long. Their jobs are on the line. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, it's a mystifying pick. Uh, we had a play now player that we could have picked. We didn't. I think we wanted to pick the play now player that went a pick before us, and we settled for the second best of that category, in their opinion. But I mean, it's it's gonna be the same thing, you know. Max Christie's like looks like he's a year away. Well, guess what? That year is gonna be on a different team. So I, I don't understand our 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 young guy policy right now. We're either not playing young guys, drafting the wrong young guy, or signing them to such a short deal that they're gonna get good for somebody else on a cheap deal. So I I just don't understand this policy, and it doesn't make sense for either now or the future. So it's a little confusing. Um, but that's kind of, you know, third on the totem pole, if not fourth, fifth, sixth, or 22nd. The real issue is, you know, it's AD and LeBron are playing just about every game, generally playing well. We're not winning. <laughs> and that's a problem. You, we, we, we hit the equator of the season, uh, 41 games. 20 and 21, 10th place in the Western Coast. Exactly the same place we were with Russell Westbrook on the team when everybody thought this is the worst the Lakers could ever be. There's no way with this much rot talent that we could be this bad. Guess what? We have in theory more diverse talent and we're just as bad. So there's very few commonalities at this point other than the coach, which is why I think driving ham takes so much heat from Laker fans because he is the commonality. He's been there the whole time. LeBron, AD injured last season when Russ was having to carry the load. What Russ wasn't able to carry it by himself, had nobody around him. You know, he was trying to take a G League team to the playoffs by himself half the time and took a lot of flack. Took a lot of flack that I thought was a little undeserved. I never thought he played great. I never thought the trade was that great of an idea. I wanted to see it work. Uh, I hoped that it would work. It did not work. And then, you know, Reeves, contract year. Hachimura, contract year. Delo contract year. They all balled out to finish the year, last, to finish the season last year. And now they don't need to. And there's just a little bit of a drop-off. 
And it's enough for us to be exactly where we were a season ago, which is a little bit depressing uh, for Laker fans. But the rest of the league, I'm sure, is giddy. Um, and with our one draft pick that we can trade this summer, uh, I don't know. I don't know that we're going to get something back because we're not offering salary cap relief. And that's the problem. We're, we're not offering a ton. We don't have like enough a ton to offer. Yeah. We don't have a large contract to throw out people. We have only like, okay, we're going to throw you maybe at Austin Reeves or D'Lo with a possible expiring possible, possible right. possibility of that him uh, declining that, that last year. You also have uh, Rui Hashimura. If you really, those are the guys that you have to. Those are your trade assets right now, and one first rounder. So right now, it just it seems like the Lakers don't have as many assets going into this trade deadline that they did this time last year, Jamie. Well, they just don't have that big expiring chunk of cash that was Russell Westbrook. That was a big point for a lot of teams. It got you. It's like a get out of jail card for your GM. You trade for that, the money goes away, he walks and plays somewhere for cheap, and you you, you cleared the decks. You've cleared the decks for, of players that weren't working for you. And now we're either going to do that for like a Zach Levine, which may or may not work. And frankly, I think the Bulls could get better for Zach Levine than whatever we throw at him. Or we're going to end up like trading D'Lo for Fournier and quickly. Or, I'm sorry, Grimes, rather. Or something like that i don't see us getting murray we're not getting murray we don't have the bullets to get murray we don't have we don't have we don't have the the, the goods to get a good guy we got we're at the swap meet with with our with our 12 dollar clearance rack that's right with the swap meet with our hubcaps trying to trying to find a chrysler that we can take okay. home and it's just not going to happen so all right it, you know improve it has to come from within everybody on that team has got to look in the mirror and decide Am I this guy or am I the guy that I was last season? And, you know, contract years, they matter. And none of the guys who played well last year are in contract year. So I just don't have high hope. I haven't seen anything that makes me think like, oh, this is working. This is clicking. This looks like, you know, something that's sustainable. It's always one or maybe two steps forward and then two or three or more steps back. And that's been frustrating this whole season. And we're right where we were with Russ on the team. So it doesn't feel like growth has happened. So it's going to be an interesting uh, last half of the season. Absolutely, my friend. But go ahead and please hey, check out Lakerholics.com. You'll see five things. Mr. Five Things, Jamie Sweet, right there for you. Uh, Jamie, you hanging on or you got to go ahead and check on out, my friend? I got about five minutes and then I got to go put my kid to bed. All right. Well, if that's the case, because I've got Joe here on the line as well, I did want to let everyone know Ace had a good question in the chat earlier. Uh, the Lakers had to make this draft choice. Now, they can trade the draft choice once they made it, but because of the Ted, Ted Stepien rule, I believe they had to make this draft choice this year. He was asking a question of if they were yeah. getting offers to trade uh, JHS, yes. and I believe they did get offers for JHS, but they actually had to make the pick this year because of how much they've traded because of the Anthony Davis trade and, and yes. among things like that. Because, and also because New Orleans chose to pick swap and not yeah. take the pick outright. And the Russell Westbrook trade as well. Just right. to let you guess. Yeah. There was right. no, there was no, not, we we could have done a draft day deal. That was the best that could have happened. Yeah. We had to actually make a first round draft pick was basically Correct. what was uh, what we're going to have to do. But yes. 
right there for you. It is Jamie Sweet. Jamie, we'll just go ahead and, and let you out early this time around, my friends. It's all you know. Joe's Joe's going to come online. He's going to answer the tough question here. So, uh, unless you want to hang on and hear what he has to say right now, I it will, is yeah, mute me and I will wonder. Okay. Sounds good. But also here today, good man indeed, as we're back again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is NBA observations also as well. Go ahead and check out what we're doing at Lakers fast break on YouTube. It is the guy who started his show last night, his new show, Lakers nightcap with Joe Soro pouring a nice drink on the rocks right there for you. It is Joe Soro and Joe. Great to have you here. I wanted to ask you this because it was something I was going to ask you or I was going to either put in the chat if you want to do the show by yourself tonight or what have you. When it comes right down to it, Joe, Darvin Ham's words after the game, when it comes right down to it. Oh, actually, I'll just go ahead. He's, he's still busy doing this stuff. So, Joe, when it comes right down to it, Darvin Ham stated that this – you with us, Jamie? You with us? Still with us? All right. So when it comes right down to it, Darvin Ham stated that this starting lineup, which was the same that we started the season with, is going to be the one that he's choosing going forward. Your thoughts on that, my friend, about the D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, LeBron, AD starting lineup. The lineup that we started the season with is the lineup he's sticking with for now. I think it's irrelevant. Okay. We don't have the luxury of uh, continuity in the starting lineup. We have to, or I should say the Lakers have to decide on matchups, what what matchups will work best. I find it hilarious that he picked this time to say that he's going to stick to a particular lineup considering uh, his, one of his best defenders decided to finally play a coherent offensive game and contribute uh, on that end of the floor. It's the Lakers can can come out with any kind of rhetoric at this point, and it doesn't really have any credibility, especially Darvin Ham. He'd be better off just saying, we're going to go, we're going to make a decision on a game-by-game -game basis on how things play out. And that would be more respectful uh, at that point, because I don't think there's anything that they can do that would, warrant any kind of consistency based off what we've seen so far so at this point i've tuned out darvin ham i don't really listen to to anything he says uh i might listen to maybe ad to a certain extent but that uh, 80s different i 80 never really ever came off as a bser lebron has that knack of coming off a little bs sometimes here and there but my focus as a fan and as a, as, a, as an observer is going to be tomorrow is are you going to play another bad game uh another bad game uh means nothing now in terms of wins previously so whatever starting lineup that you've concocted whatever uh, consistency or some kind of continuity you want to put together here that just doesn't look like at the moment that it's going to matter. Uh, what we're looking at is wins. What what you need to be making sure that this team can do is win games. And it was interesting. I was watching, I was listening to uh, Jeff's Empire Jeff's uh, short little uh, uh, video earlier today, and 
he had uh, got a snippet from Bob Myers, former general manager of the Golden State Warriors. And he had mentioned how a good team doesn't lose back-to-back games unless there's an injury or there's a, a particular player, integral player that might not be available. But good teams, good com- competing title to contender teams don't necessarily play bad continuously. The Lakers do. So until they can get out of that funk, uh, it's the, the relevancy of a, of a starting lineup that's going to stay consistent is just not going to be there. I'll tell you what, though, it's great having you here now with your thoughts on what's going on with the Lakers. It is Joe Sorrell. Please go ahead and check out his show, the latest show that he dropped on there, Lakers Nightcap with Joe Sorrell. It's now available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes right down to it, Joe, the Lakers tomorrow's game against Dallas, uh, we're going to see what kind of lineup this or kind of damage this lineup can do. I mean, that started the, the ball rolling as far as the Lakers getting behind the first quarter. Uh, the problem started as far as the defense on the perimeter. It started that conversations, the conversations we've continued to have over the course of the past few months. It, you know, is it about the starting lineup or is it just the fact that just the players are just not playing as well on both ends of the floor as they did at the end of last season? There was, after the deadline last year was, it was this, it was a combination from what I, what I believe is a combination of desperation on the Lakers part. They had to win these games. Therefore they kind of played all out. You also had several players playing for their next contract. D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. You had a lot of these guys that were motivated to come in and show what they could do. And then, of course, LeBron and AD uh, did what they had to do because they're they're on a time constraint here. They don't have much time to waste uh, their their particular era. <laughs> their era is running out here. I'd say this is probably the last year where we can we could have said that they've been they were they would be, would they be able to compete for a championship. At this point, it's not looking good. It's not looking like it's going to it's going to come to fruition. There's still some time for us to be wrong, but it's not. But last year, it was a combination of something new, something for for a lot of the role players to play for in terms of money. Obviously, made it easier for the stars to play that way because they're in desperate need of winning here while they're together. But then once the, the dust settled, once the new season came in, people got their money, people relaxed a little bit. You can blame injuries all you want. I am not. There was enough depth on this team where you could uh, figure out a way to replace a minimum player, minimum pay player. I know I'm not going to buy into the fact that they couldn't play through that. And then, of course, you have teams that have now tape on you over the last few months of the year to where they can start doing some things, i.e. Austin Reeves took the biggest downfall playing in the Olympics, or I should say in international basketball. It was uh, probably one of the Worst decisions he could have made looking at looking at it now. Had he not played in the World Cup, I don't believe he would have started as slow as he did or at least get exploited as much as he did at the beginning of the year. That was a just a terrible, and you know, you couldn't have known you. 
get invited to play for, for your country, you do it. But it actually ended up hurting him. And it's still going to probably hurt him because there's going to be great teams that are going to be playing this year that are going to exploit him, especially in a seven-game series. So that's kind of where it's at. I, I, my my enthusiasm is in that you know it's a new day, it's a new it's a new game. We can get excited about that, but it's going to be very very difficult for me to be excited and be hopeful based off what we've seen because they have not been able to have any consistency at all in any week during this this year. You can you can say the tournament was the only time they had some consistency. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll roll with that. But at that time, I didn't look at it that way. I just figured, okay, well, it's a re- other than one game, they're regular season games. You're supposed to win these games. They just happen to be uh, tournament games. But right now, right now is when they should start feeling desperation. Right now, they're about to hit the Grammy trip. And if you don't get some kind of leverage here with your record, you're probably not going to run very well on the road six times in a row. If you come out of that six-game road trip, two and four or one and five, you you might start looking down into into the abyss at that point if you don't clean up your act here within the next week. I will say this, though. I think Ace Nubian, again, who brought up uh, the other great point I did earlier in the chat, uh, he talks about Gabe Vincent is a huge blow. What Gabe Vincent hopefully would have given us, you're right, Ace, uh, is a huge blow. Just a, it's just another guard in this rotation that would have been given us steady minutes, something that could have done something on both sides of the floor, like we saw in the past uh, from Schroeder. Uh, Walker the fourth, depending on which Walker the fourth you were getting. I know he got injured halfway through the season of the Lakers and just got out of the rotation, but to start off with, he started the season very hot last year. And Malik Monk, Malik Monk, you could see his progression as a player leaving the Charlotte mess that he was in and uh, blossoming as a player with the Lakers and then becoming a key vital part of the Sacramento Kings offense. So seeing all that take place, plus again, Dennis Schroeder leaving the team, we're missing something there in the backcourt that I think Austin Reeves and D'Lo are just not giving us. Uh, there's been some terrible decisions made by the front office, and it's been the small ones that have probably paper-cutted the Lakers more and more. The big I know they probably being... couldn't have retained Malik Monk, I believe, because they could, uh, they didn't have his bird rights, if I'm not mistaken, so they could only sign him for so high. So, but the Schroeder signing, I think, burns still a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, the Schroeder one almost felt like they weren't going to be able to afford him at all. He was going to get this big contract, which I don't think he did. Uh, we would have been better off figuring out a way to keep him and just not going after Because he signed just under – he signed what around – he signed a little bit more, just a tiny bit more than what Vando signed. Did, did we have his bird rights? I believe we did. Uh, I don't know true. why they didn't re-sign him. He was a guy that actually had – immense value from a ball handling standpoint and speed standpoint, something that this team doesn't necessarily have. So I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I don't know if I can go back and, and start chastising the, uh, the front office on what, what the decision on that was. The Lakers have been making bad decisions since the Russell Westbrook trade. And it's, it's slowly disintegrated the team's ability to do what they need to do more and more the year goes on 
I don't believe there's going to be a a deal here between now and the and in a month that's going to make a difference. That you're going to have to give up uh, some talent, and the Lakers right now need to add talent, not remove talent. Even though there seems to be a, an issue with Darvin Ham playing Rui Achimura more minutes. He's still an asset. He's still someone that actually is capable when he is in there. Then you have Austin Reeves, who arguably could be your your third best player on the team. Uh, you can trade him if you're getting a bona fide number three who can score at any time, any place, anywhere. Who is that guy is the question. The answer to that is there isn't anyone. It's going to have to be someone that likely would have to demand to come to LA and be disgruntled and force his way here. And he happens to have a contract that they need to get rid of so that they don't have to inquire on assets that we don't have, which is not much. The Lakers are. Well, let me ask you this. I apologize for interrupting. Endorphins asking you, do you give up Rees for DeJounte Murray? I'd probably say, it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move at that point. It's not a huge jump. I get it, but I would, I still would. I, I wouldn't because it won't matter. I, it just wouldn't matter. And I think there's more value with Austin on this particular team than Murray. If you don't have to give up additional picks. I just, I can't, it does. I don't think it does anything. I don't okay. think it's going to make that much of a difference. I would do Rui, okay. but I wouldn't do Austin. I think Austin brings something to the table, especially during playoff time. There is the ability in a half court game, which is what the playoffs creates, no matter how much the, the, the NBA has changed. In the last five years, the half-court offense still is valuable, especially in a seven-game series, Series, especially when it's someone who can control that particular part of the game, which Austin has had the ability to. He can get to the paint, get his shot off, is strong enough to get a shot off, and usually get uh, a continuation in, in, in the meantime. And those plays become an, a huge asset in close games. Now his his defense, his defense though. Well, I just don't. Times. Murray Murray's not known as a defensive defensive player, anyways. If 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 Murray was a true three and D, you would have to consider it. Yes, but is Murray the kind of guy that you can't stick on someone and not have to worry about, you know, him getting torched? I have not seen it unless something else is going on. I have not seen it. Okay. The only reason why I'm saying is because when it comes right down to it, you're right about on the offensive end in clutch time and in a playoff setting, we've seen Austin Reeves do it, but we're seeing more and more teams are targeting him time and time again on the defensive end and especially against first team units. Uh, We've seen in the past, although SGA, uh, he couldn't do a whole lot with Reeves last night because D'Lo was coming over to provide a, a good amount of help. And, both of those guys are very deficient one-on-one on the defensive end, but when they work together and they help each other to whatever star player that they're playing on, it makes it a, a, a lot better for them and, and it makes it a lot more equal. So I I commend Ham for that change. And it's not often I can commend Darvin Ham for anything, but he should get credit for making sure that uh, I guess, you know, when, when SGA was on an island with Christie, he torched him. When SGA was on an island with Wood, he torched him. But when SGA was on an island with Austin, there was communication there so that D'Lo came to help. And that's the kind of defense you want to see, and that's the kind of defense that's going to keep the Lakers involved in games. Well, there seems to be this idea 
that the Lakers haven't really been able to put forth a complete performance. I don't know why we would need to wait halfway through the season to see this, but I found it interesting that Vando played a great game for from Vando's standpoint last night. And now there's justification to say, well, this is probably the first time he's been healthy. The, the issues of the Lakers losing games isn't necessarily tied to Vando not playing well. It's been tied to a lot of bad decisions made by your lineups and who you do put on an island and who you do decide to put on specific players that probably should not be put on. Uh, but it's, there's, there's a knowledge there that's not showing. Do you, are you able to adjust? Are you, do you have the talent to adjust? So uh, there's a little bit of everything in this thing. There's, there's some things where you can look at and go, well, Darwin doesn't necessarily have a choice or Darwin can't really adapt in and around that. But then there's also things like, why are you putting Austin on SGA? Why would you do that? Why would anybody do that? Well, do you have not, you don't have a choice. Uh, you can't put this guy in there because he's sitting at that moment. Okay. But it's not just, it's, that's not the first time you've put an elite, uh, you've put a marginal defender on a elite score. You, you have to devise a, a team concept at that point and allow, there was some funneling that I've noticed this last couple of games. That's what you have to do. And that's where the chemistry and that's where the, the togetherness, that's where it, that's your job to make sure that there's a flow there. But I did notice in this last game that there was some funneling. I hadn't seen that in a while. Before it was just leave AD by himself at the, at the, at the hoop and then hope that he could either block the shot or somehow block his guy and the guy that's coming his way. Um, it's, it's a lot of detail. Basketball, when you're at this level, becomes highly instinctful. I mean, you got to be your instincts have to be so good. Your 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 mental acumen has to be so on, on point that you can't you can't think when you're playing. If you start thinking, you're going to be a step behind. And just like in the NFL, if if you're a step behind in the NFL, quarterback or or, or receiver, it's going to be picked off by the by the DB. So. As far as uh, a, a realistic trade, Deep Purple, uh, the realistic trade would likely have to be something that would mean the Lakers would have to take on a large contract that another team desperately needs to move. But from everything I've heard, let's say the, the trade of the year so far this year has been uh, Zach Levine, I believe they can't make that trade. Uh, I believe it hard caps them. Is that correct, Gerald? Am I correct yes, on that? That's yeah. correct. So that trade actually can't apparently from, from information that we have cannot happen, even if they wanted it, unless of course they, they, they dumped the, you know, a, a large amount of their, their, their contracts, like getting rid of Austin, getting rid of Rui, getting rid of Delo. Now, now at that point, if you're going to get rid of those three players, now you're gutting your depth as much as, D'Lo and Austin and, and Rui have been maligned in certain times of the year. There's still a lot of talent there, and there are, there is some value there. So unless they want to gut the team to bring in, let's say, a third superstar again, 
it's just not likely that that's going to be possible. And I just don't see, I don't see how they're going to get anybody of any relevance with the assets they have. They'd have to give up a first round pick, which who, who's going to give us a legit score for just a first round pick. I just don't see, I just don't see it. I don't know. It would, it would take, it would take a favor. Like I said before, it would have to be Rob having, getting a favor from a fellow GM for next time. I don't know who that would be. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it is Joe Sorrow. Please check out his latest show, Lakers Nightcap with Joe Sorrow. Go ahead and check him out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I did want to mention uh, that his contract is great right now as far as in the teens, $17, $18 million, I believe, for DeJounte Murray. But he did sign in July a four-year, $114 million contract that takes it to all the way to $27.28. So you determine whether or not that's a good value if you decide to trade for him. I also mentioned that although he is among the league leader in steals, uh, as far as a good team defender or whatnot, his overall defensive rating, like Atlanta's, is absolutely porous right now at 121.6. So that is his defensive rating as of now. So you can you know, judge what he's doing right now, whether it's scheme or whether it's him. It's just not getting it done right now, and that's why Atlanta is struggling the way they are this season. Uh, Bogdanovich, both Bogdanovich. Hey, Marie Shaw, appreciate you having you here, but both Bogdanoviches are available. If it leans back towards Atlanta, uh, you know, and Murray, like you said, is too hard of a reach. How about Bogdanovich and Capella taking them off their, their hands in Atlanta? Well, what would Atlanta want? Uh, probably then you talk about you, you can't get Austin for that. They're not going to get Austin for that, but maybe for a D'Lo, Rui package. And he wouldn't. He may not have to give up the the first rounder because Capella has another year on his contract. It just I don't. Uh, my my mind isn't set on why Atlanta would do that. That's more of an Atlanta decision now. Mm-hmm. Why would Why would Atlanta take on D'Lo? Why would they go? They're they're having issues with Murray and 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 uh, Trey Trey Young mm-hmm. doing what they're not doing. And then you factor in a streaky shooter who doesn't necessarily play consistent ball into that for, for what? Just for an expiring contract? Uh, okay. I'll buy into that. Uh, I'll roll with that. But does, does that make the, the Lakers better? Now you have one less guy that can handle the ball. We already have an issue where we don't have anybody that can handle the ball other than LeBron. Now, if Gabe Vincent was healthy, that would be a different story because he was supposed to be the backup uh, point guard. And 
had we had someone like him backing up D'Angelo when he got hurt or when he wasn't playing well, things might have been a little bit different this year, but we didn't get that. We got a a shell of 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 what 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 he was before he got apparently hurt probably around the finals. Mm-hmm. There's two things that you have to stay away from from now on when you're the Lakers. Stay away from anyone that the San Antonio Spurs let go and stay away from anyone, anyone that the Miami Heat let go. Stay away from those players. Something gets damaged, either mentally or physically or both. Just remember that. And you'll probably be better off in the end that way. So for me... I just don't have an answer on what's going to help this team win. My my instincts are always going to go towards the basics. This team needs a third scorer, a consistent scorer that can score when LeBron sits because 39 minutes ain't going to get it done, folks. That's too many minutes for LeBron James. He might make it through the first round. He might make it through the second round. Just going to gas out like he did last year. He's going to gas out here, guys. He's not God. He's still a human being. He's going to run out. So unless Rob pulls a a rabbit out of his butt and tells us that this is going to be the guy that supplants LeBron when he sits, well, Lakers are probably going to have to roll what they got and hope half the West gets injured on the way to the finals. <laughs> Which could be a possibility, but you never know. But yeah, you can't bank on that as a, your way of winning the West per se. But Lakers do have some decisions coming up. It is past the January 15 threshold where even more players are now eligible for trades. Uh, you know, one of those names that's not eligible is Jared Vanderbilt, who again, you know, has had a very frustrating season and has been uh, proven to be an enigma for, for a lot of fans out there. He has scored a little bit better as of late, uh, including a what a, a outburst from him yesterday of five points. But overall, he's still averaging under four points for the season, still averaging under 20% from three-point area. And he's not giving you a sparkling defense uh, one-on-one that he was known for as much as he was late last season for the Lakers. So your thoughts on what Jared Vanderbilt, is this a lost season so far for Jared Vanderbilt? Uh, No, I think this is who he is. I think you're going to get games like you got yesterday, but you're going to get more of Jared on who he's been. You are, he is who he is. He is rather exploited with the right, opponent and there's nothing you can really do about it this season has been a very weird season it's challenged our nba intelligence i know it has for me i didn't expect the lakers to play this poorly uh even 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 with the 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 positive heavy uh, thoughts and analyzations there there's usually something there where you can kind of and maybe maybe we did we did come off uh realistic and maybe i'm 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 delusional here but we've been i've been wrong on a lot of things this year one is is another thing that's been weird is scoot henderson is a is showing signs of a bust 
And... Yeah, I don't want that one. I don't want to say he's going to get plenty of playing time. Now I know he did get 33 the other night, but he did do that on 31 shots. He's been starting starting to shoot better on the outside, but yeah, efficiency is still on that team right now, where they're losing by 60 plus points on that team. Uh, I'd say give it some time with him. I, I still think there's time to work out. I'm not sure. It's a shame because I really thought he was going to be playing at a high level a lot sooner. I, when you're the top, when you're a top two, three player, it's hard to look at. It's hard to look at those players and say, "Man, are they really going to play like this? Uh, what's it going to take for them to to play according to their draft selection?" But there's so many bad picks. It seems like there's so many more bad picks these days where you don't really see too much of a, a difference. You don't, you see pl- players being picked in these, in these slots. And I'm going, I wouldn't have picked these guys in the second round. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I don't know if the NBA is it's, it's current shift. It's current uh, philosophies is to say something. I, I would almost say that maybe some of these guys need to start really focusing on staying at school. They won't, but they they might need to stay at school and, and really enhance their, their, their game. Uh, looking at the situation at USC with, 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 with LeBron James's kid, you know, he's getting, he's going into games and not scoring in those games. And I'm sitting here going, why are we talking about this player who can't even score in college? playing in the NBA, other than it being a novelty uh, discussion, which is mind-boggling to me. This is professional sports. Who's favored, favoring certain players? When did you guys learn this? You should have learned this lesson after the, the Lonzo Ball situation. Magic Johnson, missed, you know, supposed to be somebody who knows basketball better than anybody, made a... Made a catastrophic draft pick that year by not selecting Jason Tatum over Lonzo Ball. Why did he pick Lonzo Ball? Because he got suckered in to the marketing machine. People need to stop doing that. People need to stop doing that. And maybe we need to give credit to uh, Charlotte for not picking Scoot second overall now. Maybe he does his homework. We know we get on on Mitch for, for, for the Mozgov Ding uh, acquisitions. However, if you take away those acquisitions, which a little bit suspect, the, the older I get on this, I don't know if that was self-sabotage, but that's I can't prove it, so I, I don't ride that wave too much. But it, there's been much better decision-making before then that, that has helped the Lakers win. And you look at how that kind of turned out, you're like, there's something. It sounds like somebody knows what they're doing there. At least it might not be working out all the way through. But how did how did we go from Scoot being the bona fide number two and all of a sudden drops to three? Maybe he does his homework. Maybe he noticed something, just like he well, did. When but he Miller on Charlotte hasn't even done a great job. But uh, can I just add something onto your point? And I apologize for, for interrupting. Yeah. In regards to Mitch Kupchak, I mean, I would maybe kind of side with you on that sense that maybe we should give Mitch Kempchak an easier look until you see the job that he's done in Charlotte. And that's a dumpster fire right now. I think Charlotte is a dumpster fire in general. I don't know if Michael Jordan couldn't bring some kind of something to it just from his name recognition, then 
what 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 else can happen there? But you know, another good example is the 2015 draft. At that time, you were looking at Carl Anthony Towns as the one, and then you had Jaleel Okafor who were kind of going back and forth. And then what happened? What a few days before the draft, word came out that the Lakers were going to pick D'Angelo Russell, not go with Jaleel Okafor. And at the time, he was he had just won a championship at Duke. Guys, some of these guys actually do their homework and make the right calls. Basketball is very difficult. It's very difficult to win in the NBA. There's there, there's a certain luck that you have to have. There's a certain player you have to have that can transcend whatever is there. You know, you you don't. Lon's uh, uh, Lamelo Ball, uh, as talented as he was as he is, I, I don't believe he'll ever be a number one. I don't even know if he's a number two, which goes back to my point initially when uh, Golden State was drafting that year, they probably should have went with Ball. And that might have helped them uh, win more uh, with LaMelo Ball versus going after Weissman. But they went towards need. And that's a lesson to learn, folks. Got to learn that lesson. I'm actually, I would be curious to ask Bob Myers what was going on at that time when he was picking, because that was very non-Bob Myers-like to pick someone like Weissman versus someone who would have likely been fit very, very well in their system. Was it an overrun? Did they not want to clog up the the the, the backcourt uh, with Clay and, and, and Steph Curry? I don't know if necessarily that's true because they did bring in D'Angelo Russell at some point. There's never too many guards that can shoot. That wouldn't make any sense. And you have to would have had to have known at some point, you know, you do have some guys here that are in the double digits in their careers. Maybe, you know, adding a third guy there, maybe play a, uh, maybe hire Darvin Ham and, and have him run his three guard lineup. That would have worked, right? Uh, this, you just, are you just trying of, to give Z nightmares? No, no, I was just, I just thought I'd throw that in there because it'd be funny. There's, there's so much hindsight in this thing, but at the same time, when, when it does happen, you start to wonder, well, wait a minute, this should have made sense then. And a lot of these teams get suckered in. They get suckered into the, to the marketing, to the, to the noise. And how this kind of ends up for the Lakers in general, I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know where it's going to go other than okay, we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on this team. There's always a chance when you have those guys, especially with the way they've been playing. Uh, so maybe in the end of the year, we get surprised because I feel like we've been getting surprised all year. We've been wrong on a lot of things this year. Maybe we'll be wrong on how this ends up, which would be a good thing for us with the Lakers. Once again, it is Joe Soro. Please go ahead and check out his new show, Lakers Nightcap with Joe Soro, a squeaky chair. Let's got to get you on the chair, my friend. Uh, Isabel, new viewer to the chat. Truly appreciate you. Uh, as far as Ace as well, truly appreciate it. New faces, Maurice Shaw, truly appreciate all three of you joining. Please like and subscribe to get the latest notifications so when we go live on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Isabel says, Gerald and Joe, if you were Palinka, how would you use our assets now to try to win the chip this year? Go ahead, Joe. Huh. Excellent question. 
Unfortunately, Isabel, there's no tangible asset right now. So last year we had a expire, large expiring contract, which even to some degree, that wasn't true because we didn't trade Westbrook until way past the, the point where we've already paid him most of that contract. It was just an expiring contract. Let's just put it that way. But the Lakers. But his number right comes off your your cap. True. True. The whole number, not just yeah, the. We number. didn't really, we didn't really trade him for, really anyone that would warrant. Oh man, we need to get rid of this huge contract. There, the Lakers didn't pick up any large contracts. They were actually able to trade. Uh, Russell Westbrook for other expiring contracts it wasn't it wasn't anything drastic it was it's kind of like rob impressed by not only getting rid of westbrook but he didn't saddle himself with a contract that he has to live up to for let's say two or three years if they want to do that this year and enhance the team they're gonna have to do it a little but but they still have to give up you know Contracts. They still have to give up a Rui, possibly a a D'Angelo. And they only have any, one tradable first round draft pick. There isn't day. any trade out there that would that would make sense, literal sense, from a CBA standpoint that would not include at least two out of the three players that are in discussions for trades, which is Austin, D'Angelo, and Rui. Those are the really the 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 three big contracts besides ad and lebron you're gonna have to trade two of those three to get someone of any significance the question is who and as of right now who's available is it gonna matter do you want to trade that depth there's still depth players there's still value there guys Rui has value the angel has value so if you're gonna bring back whoever you bring back for those guys those guy, that one guy likely has to cover for both those guys. How you do that? Who is that going to be? Is it Murray? No. My book, Murray doesn't cover the uh, D'Angelo and Rui. Does it mean straight up, let's say, for Austin Reeves and a first-round pick? No, still not. Murray's not that good. He's not that good. Now, if you called me and said, Joe, what about De DeMar DeRozan, uh, Caruso, and then Vucevic. You still can't afford it. See? Because I had talked about Bogdanovich, Capella, and Murray. You You're can't. basically flipping your team again. Yeah. You'd have you to can't. get all three out. You'll need like five players. Five yes. or yeah, six players on the Lakers just to get three. Now, there's a possibility. There's a possibility of a three-team trade, which, again, the more teams you have available – the more teams involved in a trade, the more difficult that trade becomes. It's the, the CBA and how the trades set up. Again, I'm not uh, I'm not the trade guru. I'm going by basic information that I know that I know would work versus what doesn't work. Uh, and but even then, right now, it's I, I still have to delve into that and see what would actually work. I don't even know if the Lakers would be able to on a third with a third team involved. Might still be too much money. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, please. But the Lakers are 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 not in a good position to to upgrade. They don't have enough. 
If they don't have enough, they'd have to give up what they have now that, in my opinion, is already depth that they do need. They do still need guys like Austin, D'Angelo, and Rui there for depth purposes, and they are players that have value. So if you get rid of two of those three guys, you're going to have to get a guy that's going to be a difference maker, someone who's a legit third player that can work under the current uh, salary setup in, in L.A. Uh, Isabel's asking if we would do a Rui Max Lewis package for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Lonnie Walker or D'Lo Gabe for GTJ and Schroeder. I don't think anybody's going to bite on Gabe because of his knee injuries and the fact he has three years on his contract. At least if I'm a GM on the other end of the equation, I wouldn't bank, I wouldn't take the bait on that unless you're giving me something beyond just the first-round draft pick, the only first-round draft pick that you have. Uh, the Rui and Max Lewis deal for DFS and Lonnie Walker, I don't think that's enough, unless even if you throw a first-rounder that, that uh, Brooklyn would bite for it because – DFS is going to be a marketable commodity out there at the trade deadline, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I, I know Darren said he wanted me to go ahead and ask if there's a deal out there that we can get that would give us a much bigger chance at the chip. I don't see that there is. When I've talked about Murray from the start, and again, I was one of the first people to talk about DeJounte Murray, I don't think he solves all your issues and the fact is, I still think you would need a two or three player multiplayer deal for the Lakers in order to get this team where you want them to be. Whatever trade happens, it's going to probably be something that we didn't expect. But no title contender is going to trade any of any anyone of any value to the Lakers. It's going to have to be a team that's just not really probably in contention. Somebody like the Nets. And then is Lonnie Walker going to move the needle? We've already been, we've already gone through that. Uh, he had one spectacular game last year and that was it. The Lakers don't need a one and done type player. They need a player that can win you one game out of four in each series during the playoffs. Remember Trevor Ariza, that type of player. Remember, Ron Artest when he was with the Lakers. So, because you had Kobe, you had Pau Gasol, but you need that third guy, the guy that can play defense, the guy that can make a shot on a time in a timely manner. Isabel That's says he's his shooting well from threes, but then again, guess who's leading the league in three pointers, Joe? It is Malik Beasley. So, so what does that tell you, Gerald and Isabel? You're going to learn something here. You're new here. I'm going to teach you something real quick. So there we go. You brought up a great freaking example. Two great examples. Why? Who did Beasley and Lonnie Walker play for recently? The LA Lakers. And how well were they from three point land when they were a Laker? Let's just say Malik Beasley was a lot to, to, to be desired, right? Yes. Lonnie Walker had his moments, but you wouldn't say he was a sniper for the Lakers. Isabel, when you wear the Laker gear, you automatically hit the skids when it comes to shooting. The pressure of that golden armor is very, very heavy. It takes a certain player, a certain mentality 
to be able to handle the pressure of the basketball and where to shoot it. So you can acquire Lonnie Walker. You can acquire Beasley back. But I would be very, very sure that they would not perform the way they've been performing in, in Brooklyn and places like that. Because there's no pressure in Brooklyn. Believe me, I've been there. I've, I've watched a Laker game in Brooklyn. Probably one of my favorite arenas to watch basketball, by the way. But there's no pressure in Brooklyn. Hell, there's not really any pressure in New York. New York wants a winner, but they know basketball well enough. To, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do their best with Jalen Brunson, but they're not going to really go anywhere. But the LA Lakers, they have pressure. Pressure bigger than any team in the NBA. Not even the Celtics have that kind of pressure. So I don't see any, any positive in, in a Lonnie Walker deal or a DFS deal. I don't believe those guys are the type of players that can bring up the Lakers to the point where you can sit there and go, wow, now the Lakers are going to make a run. It's just, it's just not going to be that. You have to have even Isabel put in there uh, D'Lo and Rui in a package, couple package deals for Dorian Finney-Smith and Brogdon. I think it improves the Lakers, but it is On still not going to make But Brogdon yeah. is never healthy. Well, right now he is, but you're right. He does have his bouts where he's just it's, can't it's a see risk. Him it's a risk. It could be the biggest disaster you can make, <clears throat> rest book, or he comes through. Or but Gabe Vincent. He could be Gabe Vincent. He like. could be Gabe Vincent. And it seems like another problem with the Lakers, besides shooting funks as soon as they wear the Laker uniform, is these debilitating injuries. And you already have a guy there that's already debilitated half the season. We cannot risk. We, we are – I'm ecstatic to the point where uh, Anthony Davis has shown no signs of not even falling every five seconds in the last few months. He's even stopped doing that. I'm, I'm counting my blessings there. LeBron – LeBron has sat, what, four games, five games? Yeah. That's the part where we got wrong. I remember very, very vividly saying if LeBron isn't missing time and AD isn't missing time, this team's going to be good. And they haven't. They haven't missed time. Five games is nothing. Five games is nothing. That means he's going to miss another five games, which means LeBron's going to play on pace. He's on pace to play 72 games. That was exactly the number I had in my head when I said if LeBron plays 72 games and then I was thinking 77 games for AD, you guys are going to be in great shape. We should have a top four seed. But the coaching has been so bad and the role players have not come through to the point where the Lakers right now, 41 games in, half exactly halfway through the season, are playing below average basketball. They're going to have to make up a lot of ground here. Can they win 50 games? I was expecting 50 games with this talent. Can they win 30 games the rest of the way? That's, the, that's going to be the question that I have for, for everyone. And it's going to likely have to be the current construction of the team now. It cannot be some savior. The constant savior mentality is what's put the Lakers in this position. Once again, it is Joe Sorrow. Go ahead and check out what he's doing today with his new show, Lakers Nightcap with Joe Sorrow. 
Great to have you here. Great to see all these new faces. Truly appreciate it. Ace Nubian says, LFB, do other teams believe D'Lo will opt out or believe in Rui? Uh, you know what? Uh, I think some pe- some teams out there believe in Rui. Rui this year, despite the injuries, has gotten a rough deal at times from Ham. Uh, like even last night, 20 minutes. I mean, he does deserve to play more minutes. And there could be teams out there that feel like many of us do here in the Lakers contingent and the best Lakers chat room that's out there, Lakers fast break, Joe, that Rui, if given a better opportunity, could produce more for you like he did in those first two playoff series a little bit more consistently. I haven't been able to find out if if anybody's asked Darvin Ham why Rui isn't playing 30 minutes a game. Has anyone heard someone ask Darvin Ham that question? Not really, not pointed, no. I think that's an important question. So whoever media is out there who happens to be listening, can you please, if you're in the media room, can you ask, and this is something that wouldn't come off uh, pretentious in any way. I, Coach, uh, do you plan on playing Rui Hachimura more than 20 minutes a game? Because, and then you can form it in a way where you can maybe stroke his delicate ego. I don't know. But I, that's a that's a that's a legitimate question that I think needs to be asked. What is the reasoning for a healthy basketball player that you just signed to a three-year contract who has some skill? What is the reason why he isn't playing three quarters or two and a half quarters a game when you need that depth, when you need that kind of player? Because I don't see any deficiencies to the point where he's he's costing the team plays he's not getting burnt like an austin Reeves or making boneheaded plays like a d'angelo russell so what is it is it is he are they anticipating that he would do that if he played more than 20 minutes i don't know i'm not sure if i buy that maybe okay. he's saving him up maybe the fact that he's had these knickknack injuries maybe that maybe maybe darvin is suspect on his toughness I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that those are the issues, but I don't know. I have. That's the one. That's the one question that we have not had answered, and that's one thing where we are confused in. Why isn't he playing more than 20 minutes? I can't figure it out why either. I, you know, I understand he's had some bumps in the road with injuries, but you know, he's been healthy now. Uh, the more Prince you play as statistically shown by magic man himself, he's already pointed that out. The more you play Prince, the less in returns you're going to get. Why not whittle some of that off plus whittle off some minutes off of LeBron's time and put in Rui in there a little bit more and see what you get. 25, 28 minutes a game, maybe even up to 29, 30. That way you shave off some of Prince's minutes, you shave off some of LeBron's minutes, and maybe you even it out and make it a little bit uh, more competitive out there for the Lakers against other teams. Just a, just a throw it out there. Maybe. Maybe you do. That, that, that would be a question we need to figure out. Yeah. Who can ask it? I think that's where that goes. But uh, tomorrow is going to be a very important game, at least for me, to diagnose what the Lakers are really planning on doing here the next week and and change and we'll yeah. talk more about it we'll talk more in detail I, my plan with tonight for our nightcap was to talk more dallas basketball 
and, and kind of figure out if the Lakers are going to be up to understanding that the Dallas Mavericks love shooting against the Lakers. Are they going to play five-man outs against Dallas? Again, are they? Or are they going to decide to cover the, 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 the open man? That's going to be the question now. That's what we're going to discuss. Who is going to decide on covering their men? Because if these guys are left open, they're going to make the shots. Matter of fact, they were making shots when they weren't open the last time they played Dallas in Dallas. I remember that game vividly. I, I was upset the entire 48 minutes because those sons of you-know-whats just would not miss. Of course, the next game, I think they shot 31% from three. Of course, that always happens, my friend. I think they were playing Indiana or whatever. Yep. But, and that's that's another thing that that Laker mentality, the Laker armor, the Laker uh, ego, the Laker history. You have to go into these games understanding what you're dealing with, and that's what makes it harder hard for the Lonnie Walkers and the Malik Beasleys to register. They they can't handle that kind. They're not mentally strong players like that they don't they don't have that they just want to come and make their money and, and work they don't want to think about curses or 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 legacies they don't give two craps about legacies most of these players don't care about laker legacy and what it means they just want to make their money play basketball and try to win as best they can and that's it and not everybody's cut out to play for the lakers but we'll see what happens, my friend. It is Joe Soro. Check out his show later tonight. You know, end your night with a nightcap. Lakers nightcap with Joe Soro. Don't forget tomorrow we have our pregame. And, of course, as well, the best Lakers coverage right there for you during playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break during the game. That'll be simulcasted out to all of our great channels. And then, of course, the best post game that's out there for the Lakers right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Joe. Any last thoughts before we head on out? No. All right. There you go. Uh, it's been great having you on. Also as well, Jamie Sweet of Lakerholics.com. Check out his five things articles there. Laker Nick stopped by to ask some great questions. Always great to have him on. He's always a great part of our playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break coverage. And, and last but certainly not least, big shout out to Alfred Esmond who is doing a lot of great things for fansided.com. So go ahead and check out his great work today. And please, if you've not yet liked and subscribed, please do so to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air later tonight with Joe Soro or at any point in time at all. Follow us, like us, support us any which way you can right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.